Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. How will she go for history? This is Dirt and Sprague. Off the screen. Boss drives. Look at the Euro crossing over and just launching off the left foot. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. Emily was talking about him during the first intermission. Break wide feed. Here's a drive to Landria. Last one in scores. Tied to Landria with a rocket. And that is eight for Dallas. Dirt and Sprague on 1080, The Fan. All right, 6.02 in the Rose City. Time for Dirt and Sprague on Portland's sports leader, 1080, The Fan. Okay, not working. What's going on? Drops page not working. Confirm. Why is the drops page not working? Because it's 6 a.m. and nothing works until 7.45. Say your hotkey is on. Yeah, it's not even, it won't click anything. We're good on the board. All right, hold on. Where is it? What? What's the page called? I'll do it. It's, it's just the hype horn. On the rejoiners. On the rejoiners. It's going to be a big dud now. No, I think this is great radio. Yeah. This is going to nail, we're going to nail this once it's I find it. Kind of sums up the last, hey, there we go. Yay. <laughs> I'm glad you have access to it and I don't. We nailed that, dude. I can't click, I can't click anything. Well, if that was you. No. That wasn't you? No. All right, well, we have a drops page issue because I didn't <laughs> click anything. Happy Friday. How we doing? Hey, dude, Friday. I love Friday. It's Do good. You? Yeah. yeah. I'm running on fumes right now, but it's okay. What does that mean? Well, after our show, I uh, got called in uh, for an emergency subbing situation. So I went in and I taught kindergarten. Yeah. Got a little puked on. No okay. big deal. And then uh, I worked. I worked the pilots game. Oh, there you go. Did they win or lose? Dude, it, it was. I, Please you need tell me to they re- got... You need to reach out to Swag. It really. I felt bad. He said they might win both games. They they should have. They were up by double digits in the second half, and Yeesh. then I, it, it was like it? a seven minute oh scoring drive. It was it was a bummer. It was a bummer. 
But you know what? They're playing Pepperdine on Saturday, and I think that's a game they can win. We'll see. They're not a very good team, though, Will. Hey, you know what? All that matters is if you win in March in the tournament. They they, you... they won't make the tournament. They're like... No, 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 no. They're, they're the... going to make the WCC tournament. Uh, they have to. If you get eliminated in the first game, did you make it? Well, that's like saying, did you make the playoffs if you get eliminated in the first round? Yeah, you kind of yeah. did. Hang the banner. Okay, give me. I'll, I'll give you this. If you get eliminated in the plan for the NCAA tournament, did you make the tournament? No, because that doesn't count. That's a play-in. But if you get eliminated as like a 16 seed, but you are in the tournament. Sure, sure. A one beats you. We have drop page issues because I didn't hit that. I'm, I haven't clicked anything. Didn't click all it. All my drops are going off now. Didn't click it. Yep. Uh, don't worry. I took I took it all, all down. It'd be really nice if we, you know, figured out that the radio station has to be operating at 6 a.m. And somehow that's not happened in the last two years. Yeah, dude, I don't know. Um, there's cutting out issues, too, is what I'm hearing. But um, That's great. Why would we need to be live and on the air everywhere? Well, you know what? I, I think this is going off great because... I, I don't. I've I, been dealing with this for two years now. Well, like, see, here's my thing, Nothing though. works for the first hour of the show, ever. Whenever I am in and I'm filling in, all I ever do is look for, is it my fault? Am I the reason why we are off? No, this I happens when Swag's here. This happens when Schultz is here. It doesn't matter who it is. See, then I'm okay. Yeah, it's not. Hey, I wouldn't blame my, you anyway. Is it my fault? No, then I'm good. Oh, well, you're better than uh, the two old guys from three to seven. Anything that goes slightly wrong, I'm getting blamed. Really? They throw you under the bus? Well, I think it's funnier for them that way. They know. Uh, they know I squirm a little bit. You get nervous? I get a little bit. I get a little bit of swigard in me. Why? Just, wait, wait, wait. What do you, What do you think that means? Well, I've been. You think told, that guy squirms? You think that guy cares? I've been told he gets a little nervous when stuff goes a little sideways. No, he gets pissed. Oh, he, see, I don't get mad. I get. I start freaking out, trying to figure out if it's my fault, and then how do I cover my ass? I'm trying to remember in my life. I've worked a lot of jobs. I'm trying to remember a job where every day I did my job, the first hour of my shift mm-hmm. prevented me from doing my job exactly how I'd like to do it. I don't think I can come up with one. And I've worked in some I've worked in some jobs, man. Roofing, janitor. Uh I've done roofing. Ice cream. Trying to think what else I've done. Dishwasher. Yeah, all those things that I've had to use to do those jobs have worked when I started. Whereas this one for two years now, from about six no, more like five fifteen to about seven oh eight. It just it's a crapshoot. It's a it's a it's a flip of the coin if it's going to work or not. That's what we've been dealing with. An Odyssey station. I would play the thing, but yeah. I, I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm not putting the drop keys up. I'm not. I'm not doing. Oh it. yeah, take it off. I, I don't. I don't trust anything. They're down right now. I'm not. I can fire anything else I want from like a player or I, something. But well, I don't even know why those went off. I didn't click anything. I I clicked the first horn. Everything after that, I clicked it twice, but nothing, nothing. was clicked. Right. You know what I mean. Well, you know what? This is Skynet taking over. They want control, and we gave in by giving AI a thing. Like, we should never have allowed AI to be a thing. And Hmm. now it's a thing, and the robots are going to take over. Except they won't take over me. Well, once you you open up the internet, you can't put it back. Yeah, you can. Mm. Once you put stuff on the internet. What evidence do you have of that? 
Have you seen, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> what, a movie? No, no. Well, didn't um, Taylor Swift get a lot of stuff taken down? There's no more of those AI pictures of her anymore. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of actors and actresses were trying to fight that stuff, but, I mean, it's still the internet. The internet's still up. You can't put it back. Yeah, but you can't find it. Uh, people can find. Wasn't things. there stuff that got scrubbed too? Like, hasn't Ravel taken stuff down? Or yeah, but the internet is still up. That's my point. You can't put the internet back. Well, yeah, but you can stop doing the AI stuff. You can get off the black web. Yeah, you can, but then it's going to go to the cloud. I don't understand the cloud. I've never understood the cloud either. I don't think anyone understands can the I, cloud. Can it, I tell you something really stupid? Yeah. Anytime my phone's like, do you want to add this to your iCloud? I'm always like, no. No, 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 never. Don't memorize anything, please. I don't save any of the passwords. I will or... gladly retype the password every and, time it, instead of hitting like, yes, for an auto save into the cloud. Right. Well, again, so a key part of my formative years, remember the cloud pictures that all the celebrities had that got leaked? Oh, yeah. That was 16. That's prime Will Ortner. Oh, okay. what's going on over here? I got to go check these out. Okay. Because it's a bunch of hots and pictures. Ever since then, I don't trust the cloud. Don't don't handle anything with the cloud. Don't do anything with the cloud. Yep, Stay yep. away from the cloud. Because if Jennifer Lawrence can get taken and her pictures can get found on the cloud, what chance does Will Ortner have of defeating the cloud? Well, I, I guess I would say you're not going to defeat the cloud, but would you would your would anybody want to go to your cloud? Jennifer Lawrence is Jennifer Lawrence. Would anybody go, let's go to work out? Cloud. What are you trying to say over here? I've well, been working out. I'm, if this, you know, uh golf threesome works out with Paige Spearnack and Tiger Woods, yeah. there might be a reason to go to my cloud. You don't know. You know what's funny is we talked about it yesterday. You say Spearnack, and that's just instantly in my brain. I'm like Spiranic. I know. Spiranic. I, I think it's the Hawkinson accent. It it rears its Hawkinson head has an point. accent. That's what I claim anytime I say something wrong. That's a good Prove idea. me wrong. You don't know. You've never been to Hawkinson. My stepdad lived in Hawkinson. Okay, maybe you've been to Hawkinson. <laughs> I was there. We had to go to his house every other weekend. We probably did that for like four years. He was in Hawkinson. No, oh, there you go. You go over to the Hawkinson market, go there, get a pizza. There was nothing to do in Hawkinson. Well, there's there's a North and South Street and there's an East and West Street. Yeah, but when you live in Northeast Portland... And then you have to go to Hawkinson. It's a, you know, it should be the reverse. It's like, I'm Hawkinson. I'm now in Northeast Portland. You go the reverse and it's like devastating. I don't know. I always, I always find my way back to Hawkinson. I always find my way back. Well, home. you love Hawkinson. There's nothing wrong with that. Dude, it's rural. It's nice. I don't have to deal with uh, a bunch of stuff going on over Do there. Do we classify oh, Hawkinson as rural just because of the population and land mass? Of Dude, like half of my friends had farms. I watched a kid ride a horse to school. If that's not rural, I don't know what is. I think I, when I think rural, though, when I think rural, I think like it takes me an hour to get out of town. Whereas, it takes like you twenty minutes. Yeah, I can get from Fourth Plain. I can go Fourth Plain and then just jet over one of the crossroads and drive up. Probably go for what fifteen twenty minutes, and then I'm there. I live by the Vancouver Mall. It takes me twenty minutes. To get out there and subbing, depending on lights and stuff like that. Okay. I would say that's pretty rural. I think if you're living in Hawkinson, Battleground, La Center, Woodland, not Ridgefield anymore. La Center, I'm with you. Woodland for sure. I had a cousin live out in Woodland. Oh, yeah. You make the way out to Kalama, the house that Twilight built. Yeah. That's rural, dude. That's rural. I'm with you there. Hawkinson's rural. I think Hawkinson's borderline rural. Well, think about it this way. It takes you 20 minutes from either highway or either freeway, I-5 or 205, to get to Hawkinson. Yeah. That's rural. Okay. Camus used to be rural. 
But then they blew up. Well, everybody moved out there. Right. They got these high school. They created a new high school, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Hey, we got to care about football. Let's go steal Central Catholic's coach." That's Union. Yeah, that's not what I'm talking Camus. about. No, I know. Camus oh. has been around. Isn't the Union the one that they built up? Yeah, but years that's ev- years ago? that's Evergreen. What? So, that's a, that's Evergreen School District. Hmm. Union is? Yeah, Camus only oh. has one high school. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, there's a. It's really. It's funny. It, maybe it's only funny to me. They have a line. So right where Union is built, it's right next to the Evergreen Camus border. And Camus has flags that fly from the light post right at the end of Union High School. Right at the line? Yeah, they're right on the line. Okay. It's very. It's funny to me. Probably to no one else. You didn't laugh, so I assume it's not funny to you. I don't think it's funny at all, no. I, I, find, it, I find it great. It's, it's petty. It would be like if... Corvallis and Autzen were, or in Springfield, Eugene area, were right next to each other. Yeah. Right where Autzen was, there was an Oregon State flag. I think that'd be funny. North Carolina Duke could do something like that. I think they're separated by eight miles or something, the campuses. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Chapel and uh, Durham. Yeah, they should do that. I think Quinnipiac and Yale have that, too. Yeah. I'd, I'd be okay with that. Celebrate the line. I I think we need more stuff, like, real close. Like, if the Washington border just started flying the Washington State flag... Right in the face of the Oregon side, I think that'd be great. I'm always interested when it says "Welcome to Washington" on my on my maps versus "I'm still in Oregon." It's always at a random point over the river where they're like, "Hey, now you're in Washington." Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know how you. Where did you cut the line at in the river? Yeah, it's also like the river is mostly Oregon, but parts of it are Washington. Yeah, it's so weird. I feel like the river should just be kind of like a neutral zone. I kind of agree with that. They yeah. both control it. Yes, I agree with that. Fifty fifty. Yeah. Kind of like how we should team up and build a bridge. Another one? Another one, yeah. I'm all for that. I was big on one in Gresham. Yeah. Because that would have gotten me to Camus, and then I wouldn't have had to deal with traffic when I was coming back from school. It'd be really nice. Uh, I don't know what the first segment was, but it was all over the place, and that was neither of our faults because our computer doesn't work. It was a hodgepodge. It was a hodgepodge, yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. It's a Friday, Will. It's a Friday. We're already mailing it in. I'm feeling. I'm not mailing it in. We got a lot to get to today. Bill Orm's going to join us at 830 for the first time in show history. Sprague and Line is getting moved. Whoa. Yeah. Big news. Massive news. Doesn't happen. Sprague and Lion going to 7.30. Bill Oram of the Oregonian is going to join us at 8.30. Mm -hmm. At 8, we'll talk with Brady Henderson. Covers the Seattle Seahawks for ESPN.com. Just kind of get a rundown of where everything is. Now that everything's settled with the Seattle Seahawks, new coaching staff, new identity, new philosophies. They picked up Geno's contract, or they're going to. How he feels, or how he not feels, but how he kind of examines Everything Seattle has done. He'll join us at 8. We got a loaded show. There's a lot to get to. I want to start with something big that happened yesterday. It took over the internet, and I find myself not caring so much. But I know you did, Will. So we'll start there. Dirt and Spray, good to be with you on this Friday on The Fan. This is Dirt and Spray on 1080 The Fan. Well, I'd like to apologize. Uh, we're cutting out on the radio side of things, so I'm sorry about that. I don't know what to do or how to fix it. Uh, Will can't control that either. That's not us. That's whatever it is is whatever it is. Uh, I'd like to apologize to listeners for that. This happens from time to time in the 6 a.m. hour. It's inexcusable, and uh, I am sorry on our behalf as a station that that's happening. Hopefully it stops soon. Uh, we got history that was made last night. We will recap a Blazer first half that ended by getting an absolute beatdown at the at the hands of the T-Wolves. Uh, we'll go over that. Um, 
I want to start, though. So something came out yesterday on the Internet. Everybody lost their minds, including you. I saw your tweet on it. And I had. Yeah, I think you and every red blooded American not named Brandon Sprague lost their mind yesterday because EA finally sent out a trailer for their video game, the college football yeah, look at you. Yeah, yeah you no, did I did. I thought you were it. talking about Tiger. No, I no. I thought we were going back to uh, the the threesome. No, no, I'm. I lost my mind. Tiger was one over. They'll start the second round of Riviera. I think he tees off at 11 a.m. Uh, EA finally sent out a like a what would you call this? It wasn't the full trailer that comes out in May, but it's teaser. like a like a teaser trailer. Yeah. EA sends it out for their college football game they're bringing back, and it comes out yesterday. Starts with just kind of a long you know, camera shot of the Rose Bowl and everybody's losing their minds yesterday. And I hate to be the bummer, Brandon, but as a guy with no video game system, I don't have an Xbox or a PlayStation. I've thought about getting one for this Grand Theft Auto game. (laughs) Whenever that comes out. Well, I think it's in 25 is when it leaked that they're going to release it. But Will, all I have is a Nintendo Switch. So I just play Mario based games. I saw this yesterday. I felt nothing. And and I know I'm I'm in the very you know slim minority here, but I I gotta be honest. Growing up playing video games when I did, I I largely just played Madden or NBA games. I didn't play a whole lot of NCAA football. You didn't play NCAA football. This is my favorite game. Hand to God, I didn't. I know people were creating dynasty runs and trying to set up their programs and doing all of that. It I don't know why. Maybe it was because they didn't have names. All they did was like, I mean, you could auto generate them, uh, or you could make them all yourself. Like, they didn't have names, but you knew who DeAnthony Thomas was. You knew who Johnny Manziel. Yeah, was. but you know, it's dumb. I don't know why, but it bothered me as a kid. They wouldn't just put the name, and I know obviously financially why they didn't. But I played Madden, and I knew I was using Mike Vick. Yeah, I, I had Madden. I knew I was using Eddie George. Right on NCAA right. football. It's like, hey. It's number six for Oregon, who's really fast, but it's not DeAnthony. It's number six. So I never really got into it. And I know Dirt's really heavy into it, and he probably lost his mind yesterday watching the trailer at home with Junior, but I I kind of felt like a bummer, Brandon. I didn't tweet anything negative. I'm mm-hmm. not even saying it's going to be a bad game. It looked, it looked awesome from a graphic standpoint. Right. But it just didn't hit me, I think, the way it hit you. Right. Well, that's my childhood, like, I remember growing up, staying up late with your buddies. Hey, let's make a created player. We're going to start him in high school, and we're going to start playing at 6 o'clock at night, and we're going to stay all the way up. We're going to pull an all-nighter. We're going to see how many touchdowns we can score. We're going to do this, do that. Then you'd put the guy into Madden, and you just create this big, long, fake football life. And that's what I loved doing growing up as a kid. So I think that's why it's always going to have this big love for it. I think the other thing about it, too, is, the NCAA game seemed to be where they always tested the Madden stuff. Like, you would see something pop up in an NCAA game, and then two years later it would pop up in Madden, right? Like, NCAA was the original, you had the the speed bar, where if you ran and you held the accelerator down too long, it shows your you guy would get tired it. and yeah. you'd get fatigued. So you'd have this game where it would almost be like a proving ground and then put it into Madden and then Madden would continue to improve. Now that you've seen NCAA go away, it feels like Madden hasn't improved. And whenever you talk to a video game person, which I'm not one, although I'm not going to lie, I did put in an offer to buy a PS4 yesterday after the trailer dropped. I went out and Did you really? Oh yeah, dude. I'm, I'm so hyped. I said I would come back. 
to video games once this game was back. That I held seems on to, the, to be a consensus, Will. I held on to the PS3 all the way until like probably my junior year of college when it finally wow. crapped out. It was just to play NCAA football. I love NCAA football, but when you see the decline in Madden, it's about the same time as this NCAA game went away. The game was perfect. It was beautiful, and it was... It was fake enough to where, like, you could make a throw where your guy is sprinting one way, crossed his body, chucking it 50 yards deep for a touchdown with Johnny Manziel, but it was real enough to where you had to have some strategy of how do I cut, when do I use my juke move, when do I truck stick someone. It was just the perfect game, and it it went away, and everyone's just been clamoring for it ever since. Do you think they're going to be able to capture... I mean, I guess they can. They do this with other sports games now where they give real-time update to stats when you're actually playing the game and the season's happening. I'm curious to watch how they handle the portal. Right. The coaching moves. Right. Now, I know everybody's going to – most people, I would imagine, that play that game, Will, are getting into, like, building program mode, right? So Mm -hmm. if you choose Oregon State – or Oregon, or Washington, or Washington State. Oh, if you're a real man, you start out with Army, Navy, Ball State. You start out low, and you build your career. You build your career That's up, also right? why it's fun, because you start off with these horrible teams, and you build. Like, when you play Madden... So you can't just pick a school and start it from where it is? You, yeah, you can totally do that, but that's not as fun as picking the Ball school. State, being an offensive coordinator, yeah. and then building your way up to a Power 5 head coach, right? Like, you can do those things in Madden... But at some point, like, the Jets can only get so crappy. The Browns can only suck sure. so bad. Sure. When you look at some of the bottom-tier UMass schools, you can join them, and it's like, I can make them great and pretend, like, look at what I've done. Imagine if you were an offensive coordinator at UMass and you made them win a national title. So you're more into the idea of playing that game because you want to pretend you're a coach. Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes I want to do a my player mode. But you want to be like, hey, I'm going to start myself as OC of the UMass Minutemen. Yes. And then I'm going to find my way to the SEC eventually where I will be the head coach of fill-in-the-blank program. Right. Interesting. It's fun. You can start out. It's Chip Kelly's career. No, arc. I'm not saying it's not fun. I just Start at New Hampshire. I've been so – I haven't been anti-video game. I'll play like um, – I play these games on the Switch with my kids all the time. Mm-hmm. But I haven't had like a legit system and played video games maybe since I was 14. So that's, a, I mean, I'm 37. Yeah. No, that's a long time. That's I mean, 23 years of not playing video games. And right. I say I'm going to buy one for GTA. This one looked good. It looked great. It seems fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to buy a system for it. Right. And I would say you and I are similar. Now, I didn't stop at 14, but. In my house, we had a PS4, but that was really my brother's, so I didn't really play it, right? So right around 15, 16, I played my my Boy, NCAA. that's respectful of you, by the way. My brother and me, we didn't care whose was what. We did it anyway. Oh, no, nah, well, I'm, again, not a big video game guy. Yeah. I was more of, uh, like, well, unfortunately, sports radio and listening to 1080 The Fan all the time. That's what I was doing. I was also, uh, you know, doing other stuff. But anyways, I think that you have a lot of guys who love this game and they remember it, who are my age, where it's like, that's your formative years. That's when, you know, your middle school, high school, you remember hanging out, dudes rock moments, hanging out with the boys, going out, getting a pizza, Mountain Dew, staying up way too late, playing video games the whole time. And this is like kind of a nostalgia piece that brings it back. It also has the joy of it went away before it got crappy. 
if Madden went away tomorrow, people would be upset, but then people would go, eh, it kind of got, you know, the gameplay wasn't as good. There were all these glitches. There was this. There but was EA that. makes Madden. Doesn't that make you nervous about this? If Madden's going away you because can't it's mess, not as great. You, you can't mess this up, though, because it, it's like pizza, and it's finally returning for the first time in 11 Ooh, years. Ooh, I disagree. If your last memory of pizza is an amazing pizza, and then you don't make pizza for 11 years, and then you make a pizza, is it exactly how it was that you remember it? So you're a glass half empty guy. I'm glass no, half I'm full. Just, they I'm can't just, mess this up. You're literally telling me the company that makes Madden has fallen off on Madden. Right. While also being geeked about that same company making a game they haven't made in 11 years. It's also different makers, and they've also spent two years making this game. I know. Madden, for, they have to pump that thing out every nine months or and, whatever And it is. for a long time, Will, it felt like they weren't going to make it, and then finally they hit us with that mini teaser. Mm. Uh, it's not just your age either. Dirt's older than you by a decent amount. It was like when you were in middle school and high school, Dirt was in high school, college, right. obsessing over that game. Which is funny, middle schoolers and college kids... Both equally obsessed it's, with that game at the It's moment. the same. The only difference yeah. is the middle school kids can't talk to girls. The college kids choose not to. Yeah, they're choosing not to be with girls to play that video game. You just could the choice is made for exactly. them. I could not do it. Uh, history was made last night in sports. Let's talk about that coming up next. Uh, I want to get to some jealousy I have. And the Blazers' first half of their season is done. So we'll recap that going into All-Star Week. And Dirt's Break back with history being made on the fan. This is Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. Welcome back in. Dirt and Sprague with you. 635 on Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan. Uh, Will Ortner in for swag. He'll be back on Monday. He's calling the Pilots game on the road trip in SoCal. You guys are doing a show on Monday? Uh, Tuesday, that's right. We don't have a show on Monday. We observe President's Day. We like to look at the presidents. We like to celebrate all the guys that wore wigs. And now the guys that wear makeup. Well, I don't think the one guy wore wigs. Which guy? Well, was, I was always taught in school that you get President's Day off for Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. No, yeah, I'm just talking about the Washington era. They were wearing wigs. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. In those photos. I, I was going to say, I was like, Abraham Lincoln wasn't wearing a wig, I don't think. No. No, he wasn't. But we'll be back on Tuesday. Swag will be back. Will, love having you in and filling in for Swag here for a couple days. Uh, I'm going to talk about... Being a little jealous and also saying out loud, I didn't think I'd feel sorry for this athlete at this point, but here we are. I'm kind of feeling sorry for this athlete. I'll tell you who that is. Uh, last night, though, Will, we had history made. History was being made. Everybody knew that it was uh, right there for the taking, and that was uh, Caitlin Clark, who has been a gem of an athlete to watch at Iowa in her career, uh, obviously a big bucket getter. Played Michigan on the Peacock Network last night and had this moment uh, for her career in college. Recovered by Gabby Marshall. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? The all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. So she didn't need very many points to break Kelsey Plum's record of Washington. And she did it from the logo early in the first quarter when it was like six to five. She breaks this record with, of course, a long three ball. And now she is the all-time leading women's basketball scorer. She's only about 100 points behind, Will, Pete Maravich. For, and he's the men's? He's, well, he's the all-time in general, but he's the men's. Yeah, she's about 100 points behind with the remaining schedule. This is from Kevin Pelton. 
She averages 32.7 points per game. If she uh, she would need four more games to pass Maravich, potentially putting the record on site for their senior day game, Ohio State, on March 2nd in the regular season finale. Ooh, and that's big time because Ohio State was where you had Shovegate. Yes. When they stormed the court and the lady yes, destroyed the, her with the elbow or maybe she just kind of barely ran into she her flopped. and Caitlin flopped. Yeah, she flopped. We got the we got the camera angle. It's we got, okay. We got all the alternate angles. Uh, but no, she scores 49 last night against Michigan. She scored and assisted Bum. on 79 points. Bum. MJ would have got 50. Unbelievable. Yeah, MJ Bum. Tarasi would have got 88. <laughs> Who's the goat of women's, of women's basketball? Oh, that's a good question. Are you gonna start having that argument now? I mean, you could you could probably make a case for a lot of players. I think it's Tarasi. Tarasi. Well, yeah. I mean, you could. I'm a I'm a Sue Bird man myself. Are you? Yeah. I don't know. UConn legends. You can just like pick someone. I feel like. Oh, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know if there's a. I mean, Cheryl Cooper, the, right? The first player drafted in WNBA history. Was she the one who dropped a hundred? Uh, and then a USC game. Who am I? I'm thinking of Miller. I'm thinking. Oh, of you're Reggie's thinking sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Cheryl. Cheryl, Cheryl Miller. Miller. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Uh, I don't know who the goat in women's basketball is. Subjective thing. But Caitlin Clark. I mean, she moves eyeballs. She gets people to go to games. Like every game she's at on the road, mm-hmm. they have massive lines out the door. If right. you told me she was coming to Moda for the women's tournament when they have it this year. And not that they're going to, because Iowa's probably going to get a very favorable venue where their fans can get closer. Right. But if they were, I would love to see how full the Moda Center gets to watch her game. I think it'd be more full than a Blazer game. Because right now... Oh, at this point, for sure, yeah. I remember when Sabrina Ionescu was at Oregon, and I thought, there will never be that kind of fever around a, a women's basketball player to the extent that Sabrina had, right? Like, I remember Brittany Griner, there was a... Everyone wanted to go see Britney, but they wanted to see Britney because Britney could dunk. And that was the only reason. She was reason. tall. She dunked. Yeah. Right. Like, she could do these things. She had but, a little Lisa Leslie about her. Right. But with Sabrina, it she couldn't dunk. It was her skill and ability on the court. Not that Britney Griner wasn't good. Obviously, she's had a long pl- professional career. But... With Sabrina, it was, look at what she can do. She can make all the passes. She'll go in and fight for rebounds. She can hit all the shots. It feels like Clark has taken that to the next level. And that's great for women's sports because people are talking about her ability on the court as opposed to, oh, hey, they're really Instagram famous because they're an Instagram hot, or they are freakishly tall and can make a freakish play in women's sports that no one really has been able to do aside from a handful of, of women. Right? I was I was wondering la- yesterday, because I was trying to think of like comps for her pro career. Mm-hmm. Indiana has the number one pick in the draft for the WNBA. Mm. And, you know, you think of a Caitlin Clark going to an Indiana, Will. I, I don't know if there's a better match made in heaven than that. Right. But... I was wondering, like, is she a Jimmer Fredette or is she a Steph Curry? Is she mm. college great but not as pro great, or is she college great and pro great? I think she's both. I think she's going to have a massive target on her back once the league starts next year and she's in it. Right. Well, here's the thing, though, because when you look at Jimmer Fredette, Jimmer Fredette was doing all that stuff at BYU when yeah. BYU wasn't in a great conference. The minute that he played— But he was still getting—he was pulling up from logos, and, too, man. He and was, he was amazing. Getting, and he was getting buckets. Yeah. But the minute that he played against athletes, true athletes— Jimmer couldn't do much. 
because he turned into a Kyle Korver type where he needs to be a spot-up shooter. When you look at Caitlin, Caitlin Clark, she's doing it against the best of everybody. I mean, even when they lost to LSU, that wasn't because she performed poorly. It was because LSU well, played LSU was stacked. that well, yeah, right? Zero in on her. So, to me, I think Caitlin Clark's as real as it gets. But it's great for women's basketball because, again, you are getting more and more players that are getting more and more shine. I mean, like I said, I thought Sabrina was the top. In my mind, when Sabrina was in college, I was in college too, and I knew who she was, and I was tuning into games. And not just myself because I'm a little bit of a sports junkie, and I'll turn on sports before I even turn on network TV. Sure. But I had roommates in college that don't even like basketball. Yeah. They would tune in to watch her. Caitlin Clark has taken that and raised the bar even more because now you're getting streamed games. That was a and Peacock people game last are night. Are paying to watch those streamed games for Caitlin Clark? She might be the most famous person in college basketball right now. Oh, I don't think it's a debate. Who's the best player in college basketball this year for the men? Oh, you, you wouldn't even. You like, don't know it, right? You, even hey, know. you don't know it, right? Right. I don't either. It's probably the Colorado kid, maybe. I, okay, and I know that Cody, because was it Cody Danny, Williams. Yeah, and I know that because Danny talks about him because the Blazers are scouting him. That's why Danny knows about. And that's not to right. say that Danny wouldn't know the name. I'm right. just saying, like that's there's a tie there, at least in the women's game. And this is what I think. I think the women's college basketball. This is very similar to me, Will, as mm-hmm. soccer. Yeah, USA men's soccer is always a constant flopping disappointment. USA women's soccer is constantly competing, if not winning the World Cup. Right. And you're not seeing them waste time by flailing on the floor or on the field. They're out there getting it done. Women's hoops is very similar to that. You know the names. Mm-hmm. It's high level. They're there you for wa- four years. Yes. And I'll admit, like, having daughters has changes for me tremendously. Girl but dad. also having, yeah, hashtag girl dad. But also having players like Caitlin Clark. Yeah. I mean, holy crap. I said yesterday, and it's true, they've got more viewers for her games than, like, almost all the NBA games. Right. It's 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 nuts what she has created just as an economy within that sport. And then you add the LSUs, mm-hmm. the South Carolinas, UConn. You got powerhouses. I'm, I'm genuinely excited to see the tournament this year for the women's because I think it's, I think it's far, far better than the men's tournament. I really do. Yeah, because like when you watch the men's tournament, you watch it for the chaos. I feel like the women's tournament kind of turns into more of what I heard. It's gladiators against each other is what right. it's going to be. And that's what 90s college basketball was because people yeah. stayed until they were juniors or seniors. Now with the one and done, I get it. I would leave too. Or you know, you can do the Scoot Henderson route where you go right into the G League. And I totally get that. And I think that should be a part of the game for those people who don't want to go to college because college isn't for everybody, sure. right? And if there's an avenue for them to make it professionally, then take that avenue. But you are going to lose viewers because you're not going to have that Christian Leitner person where you absolutely hate that guy so much that you have to tune in. The funny thing with Clark is she gets the same amount of attention, I would assume, that Christian Leitner got when he was in the 90s. The difference is no one's hate-watching Caitlin Clark, aside from maybe some, that Ohio some, State fan. Well, LSU fans probably are, South Carolina. You get the fan bases that do, but to your point, she man, everybody it's wants to love. tune in. Well, because she's fun to watch. I mean, right. that's, that's the other part that she benefits from is her game is just fun. Right. It's exciting. Holy crap, is she shooting from half court, or is she going to up fake, go in, throw a sweet dime? Like, Caitlin Clark is changing things. And look, NCAA women's basketball in general, I just think it's 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 way ahead 
of where the men's is right now. I didn't think I'd feel jealous for this athlete. I'll tell you who that is next on The Fan. This is Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Uh, one of our listeners, don't forget, today's the first day of college baseball season. Yes, congratulations to all those who observe. Oregon with a nice year last year. Oregon State with high expectations, kicking things off uh, in surprise Arizona. Major League Baseball season around the corner. Pitchers and catchers have reported, and everybody hates the jerseys that are out this year. I don't know what that's about, but the, the jerseys. The Verlander jersey? Have you seen the picture? Of uh, the Verlander one? Yeah. No. Yeah, you, you go I saw that. a Mariner one that doesn't have the patch the way it uh, yes. normally does. and people Verlander are really looks like he's got a rainbow. Really? It's bad. Mm. You think they change anything, or they just say, suck it up, buttercup, deal with it? You're going to like this. Yeah, you're going to like it. nothing you're you can do. Uh, the Blazers' first half of their season, I know many of you saying, whoa, yeah, that's right, the Blazers are a thing. Their first half is over. They end it by getting absolutely drubbed by the Timberwolves in the second of the back-to-back against them. And so uh, they go into the All-Star game. Scoot had to jump on a bird and fly to Indianapolis because he'll be in that Rising Stars game tonight and All-Star weekend, and then we'll get things back. So we'll talk about that coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, I wanted to get to this. I didn't think... I really didn't think at this point, had you gone back to September, when Dame got traded to Milwaukee, Will, mm-hmm. I I would have been a little shocked and surprised had you told September Sprague that February Sprague was going to feel sorry for Damian Lillard. I didn't think that would be a thing. And I'm watching, Minis- I'm watching Milwaukee excuse me, against uh, Memphis last night, and they just get completely outplayed by a, a, a real mass unit and unknown characters in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And they end their first half losing back-to-back games. Doc Rivers is saying out loud, we had some people here and we had some people in Cabo. Dame Lillard this year, when you look at his numbers, his numbers don't look like they're all that bad. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, last year, eh, okay, per- drop-off in shooting percentage. Three-point percentage, it ain't great. It's 34, he had 37 last year. You look at this, this is where I notice it, the assist numbers. I just would have thought Dame Lillard on that team with that many guys, his assist numbers would be maybe a career high. They're not. He's averaging 6.7 assists per game. When you go back into his career, you'd have to go all the way back to 2018, 2019. No, you'd have to go back 2017, 2018 to find a lower assist output in his entire career in the you know, and whatever that, how many years that is, mm-hmm. it just he, it's not going well. And when he has a bad game, and last night he had an awful game. Bucks Twitter man, they're not enjoying the Damian Lillard experience nearly how I thought that they would. And he doesn't seem like he's enjoying the Buck experience either. Right. Well, I think the other thing to remember with this is the amount of change that's happening. It's constant in Milwaukee. You started the season with one coaching staff. Before you even got to the season, Terry Stotts, the guy that was supposed to be, you know, there to help ease Dame's transition and ease Giannis's transition so that they can play together and learn how each one works, he's gone. Then you have a coach for, what, 49 games? Whether he was the right guy or the wrong guy, then you fire him. It sounds like, at least from tea leaves that I can read or Look, you hired Doc Rivers to be the special advisor to the coach. Now, all of a sudden, 
you fire the guy and 12 hours later, Doc Rivers is the coach. That seems like there was some backdoor deals that were getting made. It's shady as hell. And then Doc, after just one game, is he has to be the all-star game coach. And he comes out and says, I'd like to give this money to Adrian Griffin. I'm like, dude, I don't know if Adrian Griffin wants to talk to you right now. You backstabbed him bad. And it's clear. Well, it, I think it is clear crystal clear. The crazy thing about that situation, so they lose last year. They get upset by my by Miami. Remember, right. Giannis gets hurt, but Miami still pulls it out. Right, because he comes back the last two, I think. I think from a gambling standpoint, it's the biggest upset in NBA history. Right. It, it was a massive upset. And what do they do? They fire Mike Budenholzer, mm-hmm. who had won a title for them a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Then we find out Budenholzer's brother died. And he kept coaching despite having to deal with the death of a brother. And they just straight up can him. He's the he's the reason to blame. I'm watching this team last night. I've watched most of their games this year because I love Giannis. And I want to see Dame get a ring. And I'm like, you know who would be really good for this team? Mike Budenholzer. Right. The wasn't guy that they fired. The wasn't guy, a defensive whiz, but damn it, if his offenses weren't always good. And if he couldn't have mm-hmm. Damian Lillard and Giannis and try to figure that out. And now they're left with Doc Rivers because they fired their other coach 20 games to the year. His points per game out, out uh, um, output, it's the second lowest since his third year in the league. And the only other one that's lower by .6 is the year he played 29 games, Chauncey's first year before having to get the abdominal having, surgery. Yeah. So it's just it's not only not going well for him in Milwaukee, they all kind of have a, like a miserable bi- vibe to him too. When you watch him play with Brooke, we observed this a couple weeks ago on the show. Mm-hmm. Brooke is always looking like he's pissed at Dame for shooting and that he should be getting the ball. You watch big key turnovers or missed shots by Dame. Giannis kind of has this like, I don't know. I'm not saying Giannis thinks this or has said this, but Giannis has kind of like body language that suggests, you're not the guy I thought I was going to get. Where's the Dame I thought I was going to get? And it just it's been a really weird rocky start for them and the craziest thing is it's not like they're even that bad from a record standpoint milwaukee right now they're third in the east now they're a game and a half out from the two seed and they're eight and a half back of boston but it's just nuts that they're having that kind of success in the standings and yet you watch them and you go something's amiss here something's not right well and and i'm gonna keep beating this point till it's dead you have constant change. It took Miami with LeBron James, the best player in the world at the time, and then two top 10 guys, worst case, two top 15 guys, wherever you want to put Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, at the time of when they were playing, that's where they ranked on current players. It took them a year. It really took them a it full year. It shouldn't have. They should have beaten Dallas. LeBron, right. I think, got paralyzed by social media and the massive mm-hmm. moment and trying to be a villain, even though he doesn't have that He's in his not DNA. A villain guy. He's not a villain guy. And they should have won that that first year. But to your point, it took, took them, them a year, and, and they win it in year two against a baby Thunder team. The only team that it didn't take them multiple years when you have this movement of a big star or multiple big stars is the Boston Celtics' original big three, the KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce. That is the only one, I feel like, where it didn't take a year or two before everything got rolling, right? And maybe I'm wrong because I am young. And more of a little bit of a hockey family than a basketball ha- family. But when I think of that Celtics team, it worked because you had the the dead eye from three with Ray Allen. You had KG who was going to do the dirty work down low. And then Paul Pierce was a mid-range guy. But now 
it feels like whenever you go and grab a big-name guy and throw him onto a team, it takes them a year or two to get going. Even as I'm saying this, I remember the Golden State Kevin Durant team, but that Golden State team had already won a title. It was already also, a championship team, and you yeah. threw the second-best player in the league on that team, and he just works well with everybody. So if you take out those two outliers— that, That's an impossible— failing situation right there like golden state no matter who you added mm-hmm. to that and then you say it's kevin durant right they were always gonna win they were gonna which work. is why people hated that move right it was like oh cool can't wait to wait, watch you guys win the next blank amount of titles now unfortunately for their careers but for the sports fans not rooting for golden state injuries happened mm-hmm. and that's what derailed it and then draymond called katie a bitch and the rest is history but I just I didn't think Will at this point I'd be feeling sorry for Damian Lillard getting to play with Giannis, and yet that Milwaukee situation at the end of their first half maybe they get it together. It certainly doesn't feel like Doc Rivers is fun to play with sometimes because he kind of calls you out. Mm-hmm. It's just nuts to to see Dame play like that and to watch them look that way. It's it's not fun. I can't believe I'm saying Dame playing with Giannis is not fun most nights. And yet, here we are, first half's over, Milwaukee losing on the road. Hour number two is locked and loaded. Blades' first half. Let's talk about it. Hour two, Dirt and Sprague on the fan. Ever find Bugs Bunny attractive when he'd put on a dress and play a girl bunny? No. Neither did I. I was was just asking. This is Dirt and Sprague. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Didn't we lock you in the dumpster one time? I got out. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. That's somebody's daughter daughter up there. I was just going to say that. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. Dynamite drop-in money and broadcast school has really paid off. The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Hour number two, Dirt and Sprague here. I'm Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan. Ortner in for swag. Uh, We will Sprague the line at 730, not 830 today. It is a Friday Dirt insists on this segment being year-round instead of just football season, despite me not really gambling a whole We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Outside of football season, I'll throw some stuff down here and there, but mm. I largely love the NFL. 
for gambling purposes, so I don't really do this that much. But we'll give you some picks at 7.30. Spring line sponsors are always welcome at the Vancouver Ford text line, 503-864-6326. They treat you right before, during, and after the sale. You can visit them for more info at VancouverFord.com. We have a lot to get to here in the second hour, Will. Very excited. Um, I want to start the Blazers' first half of their season is over. And I think most people were thinking, hooray, thank God. Can we end the season already? It's not going well. Can we be done? Uh, well, we, we knew the team wasn't going to be good. Fifth worst record in the league. They get annihilated by Minnesota last night. I know that they came back in the second quarter, but you don't go down 44-14. to 14. I, don't, I don't think going down 30 points is the way to do it. And I, anytime you're down 30 in the first quarter, the game is over. I mean, it's just it's going to be an impossibility to come back. And so they... They lose the game last night in the first quarter. Scoot gets back into the starting lineup, and now they sit 15-39. and 39. They're near the bottom of the league in offense. They're near the bottom of the league in defense. And outside of some moments, I don't know what there is to go into the half, half halfway point, just past the halfway point of the season, go into the All-Star weekend. I don't know what there is to really highlight. And I think that's the thing. I saw this tweet uh, from... Somebody I follow, Alex uh, Tam, and he he covers the NBA. He's worked for multiple uh, SB Live Oregon, Bleacher Report, etc. He tweets about the Trailblazers quite often, and he highlighted something we've talked about. He said, Joe better have a plan this summer to start building this back up. Don't think we can handle another Blazers season like this. And I, you know, me and everybody else in the mentions there, I don't disagree with his feelings. They're playing capture the flag next year. Cooper right. Flag is in that draft. You want him bad. I, I think you, you, you know you don't just want him; you need him. Because mm-hmm. if you don't get a Cooper Flag like player, and I don't know if this draft has it, it doesn't appear to. I'm just kind of looking in now. This is where everything can get derailed and rebuild. It's nice to have some of the pieces they have. DA has put mm-hmm. it together pretty well. Yep. He's not a great center, but he's he can be pretty good. Plus he knows who to call if it's an ice storm again. Yeah, I'll I'm not help com- I'm not coming into work. I don't blame him for that. Uh Scoot has had moments. He earned himself back into the starting lineup, mm-hmm. but he's also a rookie and he has and he's 19, so he's going to have a lot of a lot of downs as well. Shaden gave you nothing this year cuz he couldn't stay healthy unfortunately. You know Ant's not the future. Outside of that, there's not a whole lot, but you got to say, we got to hit on this. Mm-hmm. Sitting where they're sitting right now, and Richmond highlighted this on his latest Locked On, they're a tax team next year. So though they didn't make any moves at the deadline, they're going to have to make moves in the summer. You're not paying a tax for a team that you're probably going to look at and say, bottom eight next year. Right. They're not. It just financially would make no sense to do that. And so they're going to make even more of these moves. And in, in some ways, I wouldn't be shocked if they were somehow worse next year. So it's, it's really hard right now, Will, to not only be watching a 15-win team get drubbed at home and lose by more than 30. They've had losses by 30, 40, 60. You name it, they've done it. They're probably doing this again next year because next year's draft's even better. Now, if they can go find a good young caliber player in the summer with their stuff. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned my brother-in-law. He's a diehard Blazer fan. He goes, what can Brogdon, Tease, and a first get us? And I'm like, eh, I don't know, man. Like, 
two more firsts. Tease is fine, but he's not like amazing. And a first is like, eh, and then Brogdon is a good player, but not necessarily the the needle mover unless your situation is maybe a Dame Giannis, and maybe that's the right. team you're looking for. But if Tease was a value of good value, I think a team would have asked about him at the trade deadline instead of just sitting on our hands there. So I don't know. I I I think the tough part is. This is, we knew how it was going to go, but also I don't know if it's going to keep going the right direction or if they have steered this thing in a rebuild and now you're just trying to dodge icebergs and you're getting through fog on the ocean and you're hoping to get past all that stuff so you can see some sunlight at the end of this journey. Right. Well, I also think that Blazer fans were a little spoiled in the fact of when they had Brandon Roy and they had LaMarcus, and they had Odin, and Roy and Odin go down, it's what, your second or third draft after that, you hit on Dame. And Dame is 24 years old, or 23, whatever it was when he comes into the league, and he instantly clicked, and that team instantly turned around. So your rebuild was two years, right? And then you're back in the conversation. You were never in a true NBA title conversation, but you were good, and you were in the playoffs, and you were fun and exciting. That doesn't happen often. You have a guy in Scoot that I think can be very good, and I think that he has shown this year after he took a step back and he started working through his issues and started building up, he has become a very good player. He made it into the Rising Stars game. He is going to be a player that it's going to take a little bit longer because these are really the years where he should have been in college. It's almost the same as if you grabbed Dame out of high school and put him into this slot. Like if I told you, hey, Dame's going to have this career, right? He's going to be an all-star. He's going to be an all-star starter. He's going to take a team that probably shouldn't have been to the Western Conference Finals. But instead of going to Weber State, he's going to have to learn those things in the NBA in Portland. Well, he wasn't ready. He That's the difference. Right. He wasn't a scoot-level player out of high school, which is why he ended up. I know he got right. recruited late. Why he was at Weber State. He stayed loyal to Weber State. They gave him took the first him, offer. Mm-hmm. and Yep, and it, and it took him longer. But he had, four years, yeah. he had those years yeah. to grow. Scoot's going to have to have that time to grow. Now you have to get lucky to a degree, but also have good scouting and have good management to where you can find a couple of young players bigs, maybe a couple of young wings that can fit into the system with Scoot because that is who you're going to be building it around. That takes time. Look at Oklahoma City. It took them a long, long time to figure it out after their big three left. And yeah, they're ahead of schedule now. It's still what? You got rid of Russell Westbrook five years ago? Six years ago, it took them five to six years to be where they're at right now, and they pretty much hit on almost every young guy that they went out and drafted and signed. Well, the problem with with the OKC example, because I know that's one that a lot of Blazer fans will point to and say, look at the Thunder. They had to endure it a little bit. Mm -hmm. You collect draft capital, and now you're not going to get a Clipper trade. You don't have a player on your roster worthy of that trade, but you trade a guy like Ant. Maybe you get a couple more draft picks Mm -hmm. and— You know the big difference, though? And this is, like, the most underrated but obvious one. Right. They don't have an SGA. SGA is a first-team All-NBA guy. Like that, He's one of the five to eight best players in the NBA. He might be winning the MVP. And so OKC is a fine example from a rebuild. But also, if they don't have SGA, that team is not 
number one in the West. Mm-hmm. He's a bucket getter, and he gets to the free throw line. And they the, got a freaking Chet Holmgren. Well, they're the Blazers' best player. I'd have to go look on a statistical average. Like Scoop might be already be the best player on their team getting to the line. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just I think that's the thing is we always want we look at the rebuilding teams that find their way out of the rebuild in the right way, and we say, yeah, you use this path. And I'm like, it's fun to point at those paths, but that doesn't always mean it's your path. It's also never linear. No, it's not. And and like just as much as you want to be Oklahoma City, you could be the Sacramento Kings and go seven, eight years. I mean, this year they're not going to make it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's three years of not making it. You wouldn't gamble they make it next year. That'll be four years of no playoffs. The year after that, they'll probably still be young. But I've always made this argument. I don't want them to force things that don't make sense. They're going to – I think Joe – is going to try to build this right with the guys he has internally right. and say, okay, this is the right way to do it. But in a city like Portland, Will, they're, they're fifth worst in the league, and their attendance is massively down. Their TV ratings are massively down. They suck next year, and it's, it's going to get dark. And I know they're playing capture the flag, but if you don't get capture the flag, if you don't get the flag, you get tagged. I'm sure you'll find a nice player, but that player is going to be, what, 20? 21, 19. I think I think the point I'm trying right. to make is when you eventually trade some of these guys, the Ants or the Jeremys or the Brogdons, you're only getting more inexperience. You're only getting mm-hmm. younger. And so as obvious as it is going in what it's going to be, I think it's another when you actually are in it and you're like, hey, this sucks. Right. Now, I'm not a fan of just being a first-round team. And being happy with that and saying, oh, well, we were a seven seed. Oh, we were the six seed. We got swept. Yeah, playoffs are fun. I will I will acknowledge that, like, I like having a playoff team, mm-hmm. but I also don't want them to be settling to be a bottom-of-the-barrel playoff team who needs some injuries to break their way, no pun intended, for them to be able to advance further than they should. And they had that in that Dame CJ run, the Clippers injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul George had to have so- shoulder surgery he didn't have healthy shoulders in that series. And, like, Dame still had this great moment. And it was fun. and But, right. like, some things kind of went their way to get to where they got, whereas I think they want to build it up right. But the problem is in this city to suck for five and six years, that's a hard sell to this fan base because of all of the success they've had being one of the more consistent franchises to be in the playoff picture. Could also be a hard sell to your owner who at some point I don't think she it has is. to move on from this team. Well, at some point, we don't know what that point is, and I don't think it is a hard sell. Look where they're, they're here now. So clearly it wasn't a hard sell. And by the way, they've gotten some things they wanted. He's, Joe Cronin, to his credit here, mm-hmm. he's got a G League team now. Right. He got to, uh, he got to expand his staff. He got to expand international scouting. They've, I know it doesn't matter to us. They've added a kitchen restaurant in their practice facility. They've gotten things. <laughs> I wish. They, they've gotten things that they've needed as a franchise. This ownership group, you don't have to love them. They've gotten some things. I think they're totally fine with where they're at. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is it's a rebuild. You have to be patient, but you're dealing with a pretty impatient city largely and so you look at this thing and you go, man, this is bad. They're fifth worst in the league. Statistically, they're one of the worst teams in the league. Nobody has any real definitive answer on the coach. Mm-hmm. And your vets aren't long for this, this, this team. 
So we're going to have a lot of babies running out there. It's a really weird time right now in Portland where we all knew they weren't going to be good, but then we watch it and it's bad. They end their first half getting blown out at home. Uh, some of their vets have been okay and fine. And like guy like Ant, who has been sick and also banged up, I've been a little underwhelmed. Right. Scoot's 19. Shaden's played 30 games. It's just a really weird time right now in Portland because I'm not looking at the future and I'm going, oh, yeah, this is quickly going to get fixed. I'm seeing, oh, yeah, this is going to take a couple more years. And for many, I know it's not the true definition of the rebuild, but for many, this is year three, whereas I think internally they're kind of viewing it year one Mm -hmm. because it's post-game. At the same time, you have to look at it glass half full. Because we have a lot of people that look at it glass half empty, and you have to look at the growth of Scoot. If you need to find something that will make you happy, because there are going to be a lot of losses like this loss. Oh, they have the sixth hardest schedule right. in the second half of the season. The rest of the, get, the, rest and, of the way and, to go. And those teams they'll be playing will, mm-hmm. playoff positioning, playoff mm-hmm. seeding, fighting for certain matchups. They're going to get their ass kicked in the second half. It's going to get, it might get even worse right. because eventually. They're just gonna not. They're gonna go through a long stretch of losing. Mm-hmm. They're going into the break losing six straight. I won't be shocked if that carries over. Mm-hmm. Sixth hardest schedule in the NBA in the second half. So look at player growth. Look at Scoot growth. Look at Wreath growth. Look at the young players and look at how they can grow. And at the same time, you can look at Jeremy. You can look at Brogdon. You can look at Tease and watch them and hope that they have good games as well where they're showing something to other franchises that might bolster up their trade value. There are things that you can look at in this to switch it around from, woe is me, what are we going to do? Will the Blazers ever be good again? It's just like our winters here. It's going to be gray. It's going to rain a lot. There might be an ice storm. Maybe there's some snow in March for no damn reason. But eventually, you're going to get to that sunny June month. And you're going to enjoy it a lot more because you earned it. So keep looking at the young players. Hope that they have good games. Look at the growth that Scoot has made. He's worked his way back into the starting lineup after a rough, rough start to his career. Continue to build up those players and just know that right now you're in December. It's wet. It's wet. It's raining. Oh, actually, it's we're gray. in February. No. In this rebuild, it's, month one, you're in December. It's still gray. It's still raining. And there's still a lot of problems with this team. But That'll they go, be in year three, though. Look at what you have to look forward to. I, but again, many people consider this year three. I know they don't. I know many that follow this team and root for them don't. But from a win-loss perspective, playoffs, all that, it is year three. Uh, I'll read a couple thoughts of the Vancouver. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Or text line. Uh, we'll spray the line at 7.30. I know it's an hour early, but try to get those Sprague line sponsors in. Uh, Dirt and Sprague back with more on The Fan. This is Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back in. 
Dirt and Sprague with you. Uh, by the way, real quick note, we talked to Caitlin Clark earlier uh, as she set the women's scoring record last night against Michigan. I just looked up. I have the Big Ten Network up, so they're doing all this Caitlin Clark coverage this morning, Will. Yeah. I looked it up, and they're doing projections now of regionals and teams, and Portland, again, is hosting the regional here in the NCAA tournament for women. Mm-hmm. Both Oregon State and Iowa are projected to be in Portland. Really? After you just said they weren't After, going to? Well, I, 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 I didn't. I guess I forgot how it all worked, but I looked it up, and it was Albany twice and Portland twice, and I'm like, oh, and they have Iowa as a two seed in Portland. I'm like, God, I hope that happens. Oh, I hope that happens. I love going to March Madness games at uh, Moda Center. I like it if you give me a player of note to go watch. I went to it when it was here with the men a couple years ago, and the biggest player here I think was D'Angelo Russell when he was at Ohio State. The one I remember was the it was either the Shaka Smart VCU year or the year after. I think it was the the one after that, yeah. And they had the VCU team that was there, and then it was New Mexico State versus India. It was great. Yeah. Both games were awesome. I was young enough, I was like middle school, where I didn't really know any of the big-name guys. It wasn't one of those situations. But going to a tournament game, paying 50, 60 bucks, whatever it was back then, to get to sit there and watch two games yep. and just hang out, it was one of the more fun experiences that I've had in sports. I'll read a couple thoughts here. We'll sprague the line coming up at the bottom of the hour. We're moving that up an hour early because I want to talk to Bill Orem at 8.30 of the Oregonian. Uh, somebody said Demers was jacked up on the call when they cut it to 17 last night. Props to him for polishing his turd all season. He's money. That's my dude. Definitely biased, but I'm, I also just kind of really feel this way. I think when KC hangs him up, I want him to get that gig. On I, the TV I, side? Yeah. I've told, I told him this, I think I've told him this twice in the last eight months. He's good on radio. I think he's even better on TV. The timing, the way he calls the game. I thought when KC was sick, he had really good chemistry with Lamar. That's my guy, and I will be advocating for him publicly to get the TV gig if KC does decide uh, to walk away in the next few years. Uh, somebody says, Burt Cold's running the show, not JC. Uh, it's a horrible organization, a horrible team, no assets to improve this team. They view it as a company, just sell more season tickets. Uh, somebody else says, I'll be honest, for me, Scoot just doesn't seem to be must-see TV. When I knew Shea was playing, I was very in tune to the game because he just uh, does special stuff, and without him, it's just blah. I'd say, I hear what you're saying there. I think Scoot's had some really big games and moments this season. Uh, keep giving him a shot. I've also seen games with Shaden, baby Kobe, where I've left going, hmm, he played 17 minutes, but I didn't feel like I saw him play 17 minutes. Right. I Again, that's being young, but I would raise you the Scoot behind the back pass that he made the other day. Oh, it was amazing to Jabari, yes. I, I oh would raise God. you the Scoot. The pass, pass against in, San Antonio, remember that one? the legs. Ooh. Look, it's going to be flashes. Yes. But it's getting better and yep. better, and you're going to look back. Like, we were talking about it in the break. I don't understand art, and I don't get why people buy it. It doesn't make any sense to me, yet as I keep getting older and learning more and more about how stuff works, like, I learned how taxes worked this year. Good for I you. I learned how to find the correct forms. You learned how to operate the man, huh? And call my my tax lady and yes. be like, hey, here are the forms. I didn't just go through my parents. Now, my dad helped me a little bit, sure. but I'm learning these things. And right now, I think about things that I said when I was 19 about how taxes were fake and I didn't even understand how they worked. I feel a little bit stupid. And I think that 19-year-old Will Ortner was stupid. 
the person that sent that text in, I think that if Scoot reaches his potential, you're going to feel like me with taxes. Uh, one listener said, I'm just tired of it. I said, well, what would you like? They said, it's not that we are impatient. It's frustrating when it's been the same story for five freaking years. Tell us what's okay with how we have been. And to that, I'd say... I. It's being okay is a that's a subjective thought. Um, I was one that wanted to do the damn thing and go all the way to the end with it. I certainly understand a lot of Blazer fans saying it was just time we weren't going to do it. But this is what happens is you have a city that likes to win, maybe not even at a high level, but they like to win. And when you suck and you're the third youngest team in the league behind only Oklahoma City and San Antonio, you get mixed results. So it's it's really an, an unfortunate thing. Somebody else says, well, the go young plan hasn't really worked out for them. You lose Dame, which I personally wasn't too hurt by uh, by that because I would have done the same thing if I was him. The team gave up on him. We should have gone for some bets and put the young guys into the G League or some other option. I don't know what that option is, but there has to be a better way than how they have handled this team for the past few years. It uh, If it goes down this track, I think they'll lose a majority of their fan base, and my family's been season ticket holders since 76, 77. Um, it's just, you know, a lot of people are frustrated by it. They just, they are. And I, mm-hmm. I hear it. I see it. You also, it's a city of passion and devoted fans, and so you're going to have a lot of others that sign up for it, no matter what the circumstance, and continue to support it. So, I don't know. It's... uh <laughs> A lot of people with the ownership stuff and just not being relevant is a hard thing to be. And especially when you're this irrelevant, man, I had a national person that I was trying to get on the show about a week ago and they couldn't do it. Time-wise, it didn't match up for him. And I said, no, thanks. Can I ask you a quick question just out of your, your curiosity? And I said, like, what's the view of Portland right now? What's the national view? And he said, there isn't one. Nobody cares or talks about Portland. Now, that was a pretty honest assessment, and I appreciated the honesty. I told them that. But hearing that or reading that on a text was just like, ouch. It's a reminder of where you're at and how much further you have to go. Well, Sprague the Line coming up next. We've got Brady Henderson at 8 and Bill Orem at 8.30. Sprague the Line is next. Get those Sprague the Line sponsors in to the Vancouver Ford text line. Dirt and Sprague back with that. But first, Will with a sports update. What a song. Here we go. What are we doing? Spraying the line. Spraying the line. Spraying the line. Spraying the line brought to you by the caddy, a.k.a. Brandon Sprague, taking great care of Dirt's balls. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, Will. We had a uh, we have a show bet every football season. Who does the best on this segment? And yeah. we try to have a punishment for the last place guy. And this year, that was me. I was exceptionally awful. I had a 67% winning percentage last year, which in gambling That's is like... incredible. I, I may never match that number again. And I followed it up by being dead last in the group. And the loser this year... Has to caddy for the winner, so I will be. Oh yeah, you got to put his name on your back. I know, I knew this. You got to put dirt on your back. Uh, I don't like how that any of that sounded, but yes, I think you should put dirt. Johnson. Should I put dirt or Johnson? Do you want Johnson or your on your back, or do you want dirt? Well, if you it, can't put Andy. That's no. Cheating. 
Well, I have to find a name tag still. I found the uh, golf caddy outfit I was going to use. <laughs> Don't call Nike and fanatics. No, I'm calling a paint company. I'm going to one of the tool stores, Yeah. and I'm going to go buy one for like $18, and then I'll have a full-on caddy outfit. Got to get white. Got to get the white, and we'll figure out a really nice weather day where, you know, I go out there, and I, I have to caddy for him while Swag is playing against him. I think I think it would be better for you to go with the white and have the dirt on your back than to go with the white and have the Johnson on your back. I uh, yeah, definitely don't want to have the Johnson on my back. Not a fan of that. No judgment. I just I don't want the Johnson on my back. It's a rough place. <laughs> it, it well <laughs> Yes. Yes it is. Bring in line. Lost. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Spring Line brought to you by 30 more years. 30 more years. Bend over and take it, you little balls or bitch. You know you like it. Yeah. yeah well, that's a valid one as well. It's dark. Uh, well, it is it is dark right now, okay? Damn. It's not that dark. They're fifth worst in the league. Yeah. And they're going to be fifth but worst you- or worse next year. That's fine. Embrace the suck so that the... Highs are better. Um, Trust the process. Do you have a gambling pick this weekend? I have. Do you have any gambling picks? I have I, a gambling I, pick for tonight. I, I've always said this, and I just say it again. This segment should not exist when football season's over. The only reason Dirt wants this segment to stick around is because he's a degenerate who likes to hear things that are said about me and not so much about him, and so it becomes just making fun of me, which I'm okay getting made, getting made fun of, I'm used to it. I just, I don't know. Do Are people really gambling anymore? Are yeah. we gambling degenerate things on hockey and yes. basketball? I, I bet an over every night that I'm in Portland on a hockey bet. Really? Yes. See, I was betting hockey early to try to follow it, and then I, I think I started like one for 12, and I finally packed it in. I'm betting the over in the one hockey game tonight. What the Hurricanes you- and Coyotes. I'm going over six. Are the Coyotes good? No, they play in Arizona State's hockey rink. Well, I know that. They're a joke in their city, but like as a team, are they good? Is their record good? They got a good uh, uh, Keller scores. Because Carolina's really good this year. Yeah. Swag thinks they can win the Cup. Well, the Cup, much like March Madness, it's can you get a couple players hot in hockey? Can you get a hot goalie? And can you get a couple lines that are going to score? It's why Edmonton has never won one, right? Edmonton has one line that is absolutely ridiculous. McDavid is probably the best player in the NHL right now. I mean, his nickname is literally McJesus. Yeah. You've got Dreisaitl with him. Those two guys are fantastic. It's, It's LeBron Wade in Miami. That's my comparison to give to you. The problem is their goaltending sucks, and they never have a good goaltender. I think one year they had a 39-year-old journeyman. They're like, yep, you're our starter. McDavid will get it done for us. Mm. So you just need to get a hot goaltender. Whenever L.A., the Kings, when they won their Stanley Cup titles, it's because they had the best goalie on the planet, and he got hot as hell for a month and a half. That's what you need. Um, That was a lot of hockey information. Big hockey guy here. Are you? Yeah, man. I don't know how you became a big hockey guy in Hawkinson. I've, I've always been a hockey guy. My hmm. family grew up hockey. I grew up going to Winterhawk games. I've gone to more Winterhawk games. 
I would say than I've gone to Blazer games. Well, uh, it's not close. If the Portland Diamond Project falls through, I'd love to have a hockey team here. I'd at least like to like kind of get into a little bit of hockey. Dude, not that not that it. I don't go to Winter Hawk games. I've been to mm-hmm. plenty of Winter Hawk games. But You'd love it, man. If we had the NH, I think everybody would love it. Spraying line brought to you by Sprague's wife, just like the rest of us. She's been disappointed by his exaggerations of numbered uh, for years now. And that text, I think, yeah, it gets all. It's on a bunch of different spots. Mm. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, it, sometimes the text machine just breaks it up in weird ways. Yeah, I don't know. And it'll be like the first will be in the middle, then the bottom will be the start, and it's it's all jacked up. It's about as dark a time to gamble on sports as you could get. The NBA All-Star game now, are you picking like MVP of the game? I did last year because Dame was in it, but other than that, Probably not. Well, I don't know. I'll be in here on Saturday. What about Riviera? And Sunday. Nah, I've stuck away from golf. I won the U.S. Open last year, and I, I don't need any more major titles. El Tigre's plus one. He had a shank on 18 yesterday, ended up bogeying the hole. Mm. Uh, Patrick Cantley is first at seven under. Jason Day, he's fixed a swing. How about Zalatoris? That's a nice story. Dude broke his back like a year and a half ago. And he's finally back. He was awesome before the broken back, though. Like, he was in every was. major tournament. Not just, like, the majors, but the players. Uh, you know, big He's the Kyle Shanahan of it. He couldn't win it. Right. He was great at getting second place. No one's a bigger loser than Wills Alatoris in, like, <laughs> 2022. I, You know the thing about golf? It, picking the winner outright, you get really good odds. I mm. also like doing, like, top five and top tens. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Cause, smart. Because I always just pick the winner because I look at the odds and I go, if I hit this. If you hit it, it's like 8, 9, 10, 12, 15 right. to 1 in golf. But that's the thing about golf is, yeah, good luck. Good hey, luck picking the winner of that thing. I told you, I won the U.S. Open. I bet on Brooks Kepka last year, and that is my claim to fame. I will give you, I'll give you one uh, piece of gambling advice for the Daytona 500. I'll I be have, in here. I, oh, yeah, you'll be I am board hopping the Daytona 500. Very excited to watch everyone go left. I Yeah, no right turns in that race. Uh, my two aunts, because of my stepdad, have become like P1 diehards of Daytona and NASCAR racing. And so their two picks are, uh, who are they? They're William Byron. Ooh. Never. I never heard of him. I never heard of William Byron until yesterday. He's got a great name. Uh, that is a great name. And the other one, my aunt, my other aunt picked Chase Elliott. Chase well, Elliott Chase and Elliot. William Byron, if you're interested at all in gambling. See, that's what the segment is. I'm talking about NASCAR gambling now. I don't want to gamble on the NASCAR race. Why not? You don't want to see everyone go left? No, I'm sure I'll see the highlights. It's going to be sick how fast they go around those left turns. You want to know true de- degeneracy? Yes. I was in a NASCAR fantasy league for like oh five years God. of my life. What is wrong with you? I won like 200 bucks on it. And as, you know, a fourth grader to seventh, eighth grader, that was a big deal for me. Uh, somebody's texting in a UFC fight. Uh, Alexander, I always say his name wrong. Uh, Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky, yeah. He's a minus 120. This listener saying he is a lock of the year. Well, that's because he just got destroyed. There, there's another one, too. Uh, bet EPL. It's fun. What's EPL? English Premier League. 
I'm not betting soccer. Why you? Be- so you do fantasy NASCAR? You won't bet soccer. I did fantasy NASCAR. What a ridiculous stance Why would to I take! Be- but I don't know anything about soccer. Do you really know anything about racing? Greg Biffle was from Vancouver. Yeah, he was the pride of Granger. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I'm and well he aware. Did well, he started in the truck series, worked his way. I met Greg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg uh, Biffle. Congratulations. Yeah, look at me. I'm famous. How about that, Greg Biffle? <laughs> Just and me moving were best on, friends. moving on up. I, I'll. Uh, it is UFC 298. I might throw something down. I'm still reeling from my Mitch Malott loss and my Sean Strickland loss. Those should have been wins. Somebody said, are you going to talk about Chinese basketball lines? <laughs> uh, Austin Dillon, I guess another uh, name to look for yeah, in the NASCAR young. race. Yeah. You know. yeah. yeah, He's like the new Joey Logano. Is he? Yeah. I don't know. Joey Logano was the young hotshot. Now Austin Dillon. I think Dillon races in the three car. I think that's why everyone knows who he is. Okay. I uh, Sure. I'm sure that's what it is. Uh, Spraying line. Brought to you every Friday by great listeners out there. Thank you for all the gambling advice of what to gamble on this weekend. Good luck on your bets. Uh, We've got Brady Henderson at 8. Dirt and Sprague back with more on 1080 The Fan. It's crunch time. Let's go! Where Dirt and Sprague crunch the hot topics you want to hear. What's the pressure? Don't sit here and act like there's no... We get nervous teeing off in front of a gallery on the 10th hole at Eastmoreland. Crunch time. Brought to you by Crunch Fitness. With memberships as low as $9.99 per month. Find your crunch time in Portland, Vancouver, and online at crunch.com. We got Brady Anderson coming up at the top of the hour. We've got Bill Oram at 8:30 on a hodgepodge of things with Bill Oram. I saw the Utah, the Utah equivalent of the Diamond Project, where they're trying to get a baseball team. They they basically sent out a big thing yesterday. They've got a huge district in an area where there's nothing happening in Utah. They want to host the A's until the A's can figure out their thing down so they can build their stadium. And Utah not only stole Dale Murphy from our Portland Diamond Project, their Larry Miller group. Mm-hmm. You know who was in their newest video? Russ. Oregon native Ty Burrell. Oh, that's poor form. It's very well, you could argue Dale Murphy jumping from our group to their group is poor form, but maybe he's doing that for a reason. And then they stole another Oregon native who's down there. So I we need I, to boo him. I think Utah has jumped far and away ahead of us on this, and I might be way off on it because I know they're trying to purchase the Red Tail lot, but interesting nonetheless to get tagged and see that video last night uh, of what's happening in Utah. No, uh, I, I want to throw a scenario at you. We talked about the Blazers earlier. Right. Okay. And uh, we'll get to – I got a football thing I want to get to at 8.15. We'll talk with Brady Henderson about the Seahawks offseason. I threw out a poll question the other day, Will – where the Blazers are bad. We've established this. They're mm-hmm. going to be bad. Right. If Bronny were to enter the draft this year, which I think would be a massive mistake. He he is a backup player on USC. His stats aren't eye-popping. I've seen him play. I, I think he's going to be a good basketball player. Mm-hmm. He's smart. But he ain't there. Right. But if he so chooses to fast-forward the track to play with his dad, would you be upset if the Portland Trailblazers drafted him just to get LeBron for like two years? Absolutely not. I am. Pro, You're all in on this. I am pro the bit. Yes. And I would love that for the bit. Just do it. It would be funny. It would get butts in seats. Would you win a title? No. Oh, I, I, hell no, you wouldn't. You're one terrible. of like, you're one of like two or three teams that I think LeBron would go, eh, I want Bronny to win on his own. I want him <laughs> to figure it out. But think about it from a management standpoint where – Hey, let's go get Bronny. We can say that we had LeBron at the tail end of his career. It's a cool thing. Fans would show up, and they'd show up 
to every home game because you'd get to see LeBron, either the greatest player of all time or the second greatest player of all time. There's no real legitimate argument to him not being one of those two spots, right? I would pay to watch. I'd go to more Blazer games, and the ticket prices would rise, and it would be good for everyone. Fans would have fun, and maybe it would be the perfect spot, too, for other young players to grow. You can look at a guy like LeBron, and there are going to be things that he can do that just no one else can do, right? But the way that he carries himself as a pro, the way that he handles media, stuff like that, it would be fun. Will it ever happen? Hell no. Why would it never happen? Because they're not going to draft Bronny, and even if they did draft Bronny, hey, I already said it. LeBron will say hell no to Portland. Yes, he's Every, not coming to the city of Bridges. A lot of people were texting in that this is just becoming a business that they're just uh, they're just running this thing to make the money. They don't care about winning. If that is true, that's why you said. That's why you go and you draft him. I put this up as a poll question two days ago. Would you want the Blazers to draft Bronny to see LeBron in a blazer? And hell no, one out. 58% to 42%. I voted hell yeah. I did too. Just to see where it was percentage-wise. It'd be awesome. But hell no wins this by 16%. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense at all to do. But it'd be something that a franchise that is about half serious, that mm. is something that they would do in order to sell seats and ticket sales. I don't think it'll happen, by the way. But right. in case he does come out, there's going to be a few teams in this department of saying, what business-wise makes a lot of sense for us to do? And drafting Bronny in order to get LeBron James, there's going to be some teams that definitely want to dive into those waters. Uh, that's Crunch Time brought to you in the fan by Crunch Fitness, as low as $9.99 a month. Multiple locations, crunch.com for more info. Loaded final hour of the show. We kick it off. Brady Henderson of ESPN covers the Seahawks. What has he made of the new coaching hire? All the new moves, all the new staff, where the Seahawks are at right now in the NFC West. Brady Henderson, final hour of the show. Dirt and Sprague on the fan. It's time for Dirt and Sprague. I've never been on live television before, but apparently sometimes I don't watch the sh- I don't watch the news. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brandon Sprague. Because I'm a kid and apparently every time apparently grandpa just gives me a remote after we watch the Powerball. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. We'll probably sit around and cook some soups and Eat bread and desserts and just get all fat and sassy. The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Final hour of the show, the radio program. Bill Oren will join us at 830, but we're kicking off the final hour of the show. On Portland Sports Leader 1080, The Fan, with Brady Henderson of ESPN, our good friend who covers the Seattle Seahawks. He's got some really good articles up, including what picking up Geno's contract would mean, and then they ended up picking up the contract. And Brady joins us now, a new regime in Seattle. Schneider's still there, but the coaching staff is completely revamped. Mike McDonald is the guy to replace Pete Carroll. Brady, good morning. Thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, how come you didn't go to a random bar and see those guys drinking to break the news that Ryan Grubb was the OC? What did you think of that? Uh, well, I have been to that bar and I have seen some Seahawks people drinking there before, but <laughs> I just happened to not be there that night. No, I... Um, you know, I, I felt like Grubb was still in play for them, even though there was the, you know, there was the, the tweet of him addressing, I guess it was a bunch of boosters at um, Alabama, and he said he's the offensive coordinator. I, I was surprised that so many people took that as some sort of statement that he was out of the running for the Seahawks OC job, just because, you know, I don't know, a lot of those things are probably pre-planned. And at that point, he was the Alabama offensive coordinator. So 
I didn't take that as any sort of sign that he was out of the mix. And just knowing how, you know, how prolific that UW offense was right in the Seahawks' backyard the past couple of years, I, I, as soon as his name came out initially, um, that definitely seemed like a guy that would make a lot of sense, albeit with, you know, the one caveat being that that is that was a very pass-heavy offense at UW. Uh, I think it was 15th in the country in FBS uh, in dropback rate over the past two seasons, which is, of course, you know, basically measures their uh, designed passing rate. Um, and then even if you go back to his time at Fresno State, the, the, the three years he was OC there, they were 17th. So, Obviously, a defensive-minded head coach in Mike McDonald is not going to want to, you know, drop back and throw the ball 60-plus percent of the time. So I do think that's going to be an interesting shift for him. Um, but even with that, I, I think he's uh, – he and Ingstrand, Tanner Ingstrand, were the two guys that I thought would have made the most sense. You know, you, you, you mentioned in one of your articles that you put up that Carroll leaves now and this, the power structure seems to be Schneider – full decision maker, whereas it felt like for years, and I believe it was, Carroll and Schneider was a joint venture there, and they built that up. They won a Super Bowl. It fizzled at the end there, so they make a move. Schneider in full control. I'm curious, how does the power structure work in Seattle now? I know McDonald doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience. He's, he's pretty young. Ryan Grubb moving up to the NFL, as you put with one of the quotes, McDonald telling 710, Ryan's an O-line guy. So we have a guy who knows how to coach elite offense but specializes on O-line development, and you've got a defensive heavy guy that had the best defense in the NFL last year. Oh, by the way, the Seahawks' pass rush has been embarrassingly bad. I know Schneider's the decision maker. How do you think he works with a Ryan Grubb, with a Mike McDonald, to address the two biggest areas the team needs to hit on, and that's solidifying a dominant offensive line and trying to create pass rush and have premier guys at those positions? Yeah, yeah. So Schneider, he he now has a new title. I think it's head of football operations, and he is now the he now has final say over personnel decision, which you know used to belong to Carroll. So the the my understanding was always that basically, if there was a tie, like the tie went to Carroll. If, if those two guys were kind of deadlocked uh, and couldn't agree on something, then you know Carroll would he would be the tiebreaker. He would he would get his way. And you know I, I imagine that over fourteen years. There's quite a few decisions that you you don't see eye to eye on, uh, personnel wise, and so um, John is going to have that final say. I think you know just just as as Carol did with him, you know it's going to to everything is going to be kind of a joint decision, um, and they're going to talk through things. And and you know John's not going to force players on Mike McDonald that he knows Mike McDonald doesn't want. Um, I just think that you know, he, he is going to have final say. And, and I, and I do think that could come into play, um, especially with the quarterback situation, but um, in terms of how they build up their defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to be the way that this defense has to improve is both through scheme and through personnel. And, um, you know, I, I think if you put this scheme uh, with the personnel, the Seahawks had last season, Maybe there would be some misfits just, you know, body type wise and whatnot. But um, I, I think that the Seahawks would have been a lot better because I think so much of their issue last season um, was just the scheme just wasn't cutting it. And that, that what Mike McDonald was running in Baltimore was just so much more advanced and so much better. And that's a big reason why he's a head coach right now. So that said, they've got some really tough personnel decisions and they've got to get better in some areas. 
particularly up front. Obviously, the two inside linebackers are both free agents, so they're going to have to find some upgrades. But I, I do think that just the scheme alone, even if it eventually, you know, even if it ultimately takes some time to take hold in Seattle, I do think that will do a lot of the work for them. Brady Henderson, ESPN, is our guest here. Covers the Seahawks, does a great job for it uh, for them on Twitter at Brady Henderson. Um, it is draft season, so that means everybody is telling you who they should take, and this is definitely the player they should take. I don't know what position you think they're leaning on, but I want to ask you, they pick up the $12.7 million option for Geno. The deadline was today, and so as you note on ESPN.com, if they were to have picked that up, it means he's going to be back. They do, and so here we go. Geno Smith is back. I don't know what the future of Geno is, if this is going to get back to what it was two years ago, if they can shore some things up. But a lot of people, because Ryan Grubb, Brady, they're connecting the Michael Penix dots. Do you think the Seahawks are going to look to acquire a quarterback in the first couple rounds of this draft? Or do you think they're trying to address a couple other things, maybe think about the quarterback, but we're not really sure there? Where do you think they ultimately land? Does Penix make sense for them as somebody who can sit behind Geno for a year or two? How do you view the quarterback spot for Seattle? Yeah, well, just to clarify with Geno, I, I don't think he's a lock to, to be back next season. Now, oh. the, the way yeah, the, the, way the, the um, basically what happens today is, his $12.7 million base salary for next season becomes fully guaranteed. So at, at the time he signed it, it was only guaranteed for injury. Uh, but today, assuming he's still on the roster and the report from Adam Schefter yesterday, and my understanding as well, that he, they will keep him at least through this date. And so that means that his $12.7 million base salary for next season uh, becomes guaranteed. He's guaranteed to make that, but if the Seahawks were to trade him, then he would just get that from whatever team the Seahawks trade him to. Gotcha. So the yeah, so the the door to I think the door to cut him is probably closed, but the the door to trade him is still wide open because any team that they would would send him to would take on that twelve point seven. And if you traded him before um, his nine point six million dollar roster bonus is due on March eighteenth, that's the other big chunk of money that he's scheduled to make next season. And so if they traded him before then then the team they traded him to would owe him that as well. So the Seahawks would, you know, be off scot-free in terms of the $22.5 million in all that he's scheduled to make next season. So I, I still very much think that uh, the Seahawks are going to be open to trading him. And if you look at the wording of uh, Adam Schefter's tweet yesterday, I think he was conveying that as well. Um, so I, I think it, it goes down to, you know, they're just not – I think they realize Geno is a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback who has been kind of up and down. He's a guy who has been great at times. A guy who's been, you know, has gone through some rough patches over the past two seasons as well. I just think there's a question of, is he a guy who can lead you to a Super Bowl? I think they realize that he's better than a ton of the other options. And that I've talked to people in the building who think that, you know, he's got top 10, top eight potential. And then if you just look at his total QBR, it was seventh in uh, 2022, and then he dipped a little bit to 14th last season. So, you know, the numbers would, would say that as well. I just do think that there's a question of, is he a guy that can get you all the way to a Super Bowl and win it? And if, if, if they don't think so, then I think they could, to your question, look to draft a quarterback this year. Now, um, I do think that they are so um, – you know, they pay such attention to it. It's such a big deal for them like positional value and, and not just positional value, but, you know, roster value. So in other words, 
like going back to last draft, I, I, I think that Anthony Richardson, I think that talent-wise, they thought he was worthy of that number five overall pick. But knowing that they had just signed Geno to, you know, a $75 million extension, they knew that Richardson was going to have to sit on the bench for at least a year. And also knowing that he's a, you know, a raw prospect, they didn't like the idea of paying, you know, a 20 plus million dollar signing bonus uh, and a 30 plus million dollar fully guaranteed contract to a guy who wasn't going to be a starter for a year. So could they, you know, keep Geno Smith and then draft a quarterback to learn under him? Yes. I just have a hard time seeing it at 16, knowing that you're just not going to get a lot of value out of that guy for um, at least a year or so. Now, could I see them re-signing or see them keeping Geno and re-signing Drew Locke? Yes. Could I see them trading Geno Smith, uh, re-signing Drew Locke, and drafting a quarterback to, to compete for that job? Absolutely. But, um, I don't know. I, there's something about the idea of uh, keeping Geno, paying him the $22.5 million, and taking a quarterback at 16. That, for some reason, just feels like the least likely of those three options to me. Where do you think they're at right now? I know this is tough because they're going to have moving parts, but just how do you, I guess, how would you feel or gauge where they're at in the NFC West? We had the Rams make the playoffs this year, they got stuck in a shootout with the Lions, came down to the wire. I actually think the Rams can win the NFC next year. I know that might be a bit of a hot take, but I, I think they got some good parts coming back. Obviously, the Niners have been the Niners. They've dominated this division for the large part of five, six years now. What, where do you think the Seahawks are at right now? I know everybody's excited about Mike McDonald and Ryan Grubb, along with the new coaching staff. How do you feel about where they're at right now in that NFC West picture? It's hard to not put them still behind San Francisco, just knowing how loaded that roster still is. And and look, San Francisco is reaching that point that all loaded teams do where it becomes hard to keep everybody together. And some of the stars are getting older. You know, the, the left tackle is getting up there in age and it seems like he kind of showed it a little bit this season. Um, you just got a very top heavy roster there. And, and obviously, you know, the quarterback, he's still got another year left on his rookie deal, so they don't have to pay him, uh, you know, but they got to pay Ayuk. And so, um, you know, McCaffrey's getting up there, I think, close to 30 years old. So even all that said, like, I still think that they are a, a far superior team uh, than the Seahawks. But, you know, I think with the, the scheme that the Seahawks are going to bring in and, and the new coach, I think that could help close the gap. The problem is, we've seen over the last two seasons, it's, it was just such a massive gap that you just can't close in one off season or even two off seasons. And so I still think that, you know, they're, they're not going to be as good as San Francisco, but, you know, maybe they catch back up to the Rams and um, you know, I, I don't think the Rams were more talented than the Seahawks last season. I just think they were much better coached. And so maybe, you know, you get a new coach in here, you make some personnel upgrades uh, I could definitely see them, you know, retaking that number two spot back from the the Rams. And look, they, you know, they they were there was not a huge gap between those teams. I mean, the Rams beat them twice, um, but that second game in in LA it came down to a you know very makeable missed field goal at the end and kind of a, a botched uh, two minute drive that they should have executed. And so, um, yeah, I, I think I think they could be better than the Rams next season. I think a lot would have to go right for them to overtake the 49ers. So. I'm, I'm, I'll get you out here on this one, Brady, because I do appreciate the time this morning. I know you're super busy. I'm kind of putting you on the spot of just mock stuff because everybody's reading everybody's mocks. The last one I saw from ESPN was Field Yates. Is he has Brock Bowers to the Seahawks. Do you have like kind of a feel or idea of where 
you think they might be leaning? Is it an offense? Is it a defense? Is it line guy? How do you feel right now today, even if you end up changing your mind in, in three days, a week, two weeks? Where would you lean right now if you were doing a mock for Seattle? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I think I would um, you know, put a bunch of positions up on a dartboard, close my eyes, and <laughs> throw a dart on there, and then that would be my answer. No, I mean, it's <laughs> – it's so hard to know right now. I mean, we haven't even gone through free agency. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like. I mean, I, I do think at 16, they are in an interesting spot in the sense that, you know, a lot of the times that they were picking in the 20s as a you know a perennial playoff team, remember, they, they routinely traded back. And the idea there for them was that, you know, in a given draft, you've only got, let's say, let's call it like 17 to 22, 23 um, tr- guys like prospects with true first round grades. And so their thought was always when you're picking 24 or 25, you're really drafting a second round talent. And the, the level of talent player that you could get at 24 is the same as you could get at 34. So their thought was always, well, you might as well trade back 10 spots. You're getting the same caliber player at 34 that you would at 24, but you're also picking up, you know, an extra second round pick, an extra whatever. So I think at 16, they're kind of in an interesting spot where they could be within that cutoff of, yeah, you're actually getting a true first-round player, a true first-round talent. So maybe they, they do have reason to stick there, uh, but they also don't have a second-round pick, and they've got a bunch of holes. And so there would also be a lot of incentive to uh, to move back if there was a team willing to move up at, to 16. So that that's kind of my spiel on what I think they might do um, sticking versus staying, but at this point, it's it's way too early to call it. I mean, I, I do know this: if they don't re-sign Leonard Williams, they've got to do something about the middle of their defense, just because. Yeah. Even with Dre Jones in there and the big contract they gave him last year, that, that just was not good enough. Brady Henderson, ESPN.com on Twitter at Brady Henderson does an exceptional job covering the Seahawks. A good friend of the show. Thanks for hopping on this morning, man. I appreciate the time. Keep up the great reporting, and we'll catch up with you soon. All right, you got it. Thanks for having me. See All right, you. There we go. Brady Henderson, ESPN.com, uh, says don't eliminate the idea in your mind about a Geno Smith trade potentially. I don't know what that would mean for them at quarterback. Uh, but some a team that I think looks at their situation and says, we're damn near right there with the Rams. If we can tweak this thing and improve the defense and hit on the right pieces in the draft and free agency, why can't we be in this conversation second in that division? I think it's a very good division. I like the Rams. And the Niners are really talented on paper. We'll see what they do after losing another Super Bowl. But Brady says, watch these. It's hard to lock down where they're at draft-wise, but the quarterback spot is obviously a big one. Ryan Grubb now, the OC, paired with Mike McDonald. Uh, all right, we have Bill Orm at 8.30. Coming up next, the math is actually in my favor, and I don't think you should still be making the argument. I'll tell you what that is next on The Fan. This is Dirt and Spray on 1080, The Fan. All right. Uh, we got Bill Orm coming up, OregonLive.com, at the bottom of the hour. Uh, I want to get to this football note. It, it was the week after the Super Bowl, and it took all of one show for one listener to tell me, stop talking about the NFL, all of one show. And so we talked about it from about Monday, Tuesday, a little Wednesday and uh, not so much yesterday. I want to bring back just one thing. One thing. And by the way, we had all this audio. I can get to that next week. I don't think the audio ages. It's 
the game audio stuff, but we talked one of the conversations I thought Monday and going into Tuesday, I was, I, I, I shouldn't be shocked, but I was a little surprised just how everybody kept hanging on to overtime. Oh, not, not necessarily the play calling or the execution or the lack of execution or that Mahomes is just awesome and all-time great and the most clutch player the, the game has ever seen. Everybody kept latching on to the Niner players not knowing the rules mm-hmm. and Kyle Shanahan's decision to take the ball first. The, the first one to me was, like, it's not really relevant at all. And I will just go down with the ship on that no matter what people text in. A player cannot know the rules if he's told to run a play, like, go execute the play. Score a touchdown. I don't know what knowing the rules or not knowing the rules changes about that. To me, it doesn't. Couldn't agree more. They also learned it as the overtime was going, so everybody's like, well, if they would have scored, they were going to celebrate as if they won. No, they weren't. By the way, Nicole Hardman didn't know he won the game. He had to be told by his quarterback. Well, you can look on on the one clip. Kyle Juszczyk is walking out to the field when he looks at Shanahan and goes, what do you mean they get the ball? Yes. And then he he tells him, and he goes, oh, okay, so we score, and, and they still get a shot. The coin flip one was interesting because I, I got into a back and forth with Buck because Buck's a Niner fan. I'm a Niner fan. So we're sharing a commonality there. How did you view it? And and I get it. I, I do get the argument. Taking the ball second. You want the information. You also could live in a world where you get an extra down because you know if you on fourth down, we're not punting the ball back. We got to go for it. Right. I think if it's fourth and one and the Chiefs uh, have the ball first, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going for it. They're not punting the football to the Niners because at that point, the sc- any score next wins. Mm-hmm. And so we were going back and forth. Well, Seth Walder, who I think is exceptional in analytics for football, he works for ESPN.com. He ran 10,000, 10,000, Will, simulations of what happens if you take the ball first in this new overtime. 10,000. Yep. of the time, the team that took the ball first won the game. So now look, the math is in my favor of the argument, but what I told Buck, and we kept going back and forth on this, is I don't think the next overtime you see in the Super Bowl or an AFC Championship game or an NFC Championship game, I don't think you're going to get a team taking the ball first. We just watched that team lose. Right. I also, as much as that simulation helps my argument – I don't think we're going to know the math of this for a long time. It's going to take a while for us to understand what do you truly do. He also followed it up by asking all these analytical staffs, hey, what would you decide to do? And more, as many people voted, take the ball first as anything. And so it's, it's a massive thing where everybody's running to the radio and, and YouTube and ESPN and FS1, and they're like, idiot, you got to take the ball second. And then the guys that actually run the math run it, and it says, no, percentage-wise, it says you'll win more times than lose. But even with that backing my argument, I still think this is there's no wrong answer here to me. I think if you decide to take a second, take a second. I think I can make just as much a case that taking the ball first is the right thing to do. It's a weird rule that most of America was re-remembering if they're football fans or being introduced to if you're Ice Spice. And so the math might be in my argument's favor, but I'm still not sure there's really a right answer to this. We're going to need years of data, to I think, to fully believe or find out what the right answer is on it. I think the real issue here is we've always thought – 
take the ball second, take the ball second, take the ball second. And so I think that Shanahan, whatever the math is, because when you look at it, you said what, 50.2? 50.2, a slam margin. So really, let's, it's, it's a 50, wash. It's 50-50. It's a wash. It's a it coin doesn't, flip. It yes. doesn't matter where you take it. But it matters in the case of public perception. And if Shanahan had took the ball second and they lost, let's say they he takes the ball second, Kansas City drives down, they score a touchdown, they kick the extra point, they hit it. San Fran isn't able to get it down there. They lose it on fourth down. I don't think people hammer him the way that they are hammering him for the decision because he made no, the they hammer him for the decision. play call that ends the ends the game, right? Right. But they're not gonna hammer him from a like a lack of institutional control because that's the whole thing here. It's well, his players didn't know, so he didn't do a good job of disseminating that information to his players. He should have done a better job of that. That's why Andy Reid won and not Kyle Shanahan, right? That's what the public thinks, and you can agree or disagree with it. But I think in that situation, you need to just go out and say, "Hey, I'm going to take the ball second because that is the best." choice for me in the long run because when he goes to get his contract renegotiated or he goes to get a contract extension guess what Lynch is going to bring up when he wants to give him less money hey look at the decision you made here it's like when you call out sick from work maybe you have a doctor's appointment you call out sick from work the doctor says hey you're contagious right now you shouldn't be around people then you go home, you door dash a 30 rack, and you post on your Instagram story, look at me, I'm drinking a, a 30 rack of beer while I'm watching the game. You are doing the correct thing because that's what your doctor said to do. But your buddy that you work with or your boss that follows you on Instagram is going to see that story and go, oh, that MFR is lying. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. And then you're going to get the public perception of even though you did the right thing and you have the doctor's note and the doctor told you to stay home because you're contagious, people are going to be upset with you because it looks like you're trying to skip out. I just I, I thought of all the things to argue or question. It's how do you not block Chris Jones on third and four at the goal line? Great blitz. Call. Or it's a great blitz. Why call. do you not go for it on fourth down knowing, hey, you get a field goal here. Mahomes is going to get a touchdown. I would also say to that, as hard as that is, do you not take any points? What if you failed on fourth and four? So, I don't know. When you're playing Patrick Mahomes, I think to a certain degree, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Right. And that's kind of the world we live in. But analytics telling you eh, there is no right decision on this between taking the ball in this new overtime versus kicking it. Bill Oram, columnist for the Oregonian, joins us to talk about a hodgepodge of things next. But first, Will with the sports update. This is Dirt and Sprague on 1080, The Fan. All right, welcome back in. We got Joey in here on the ones and twos. Handling. Oh, no, he's leaving now. He's done. He wants nothing to do with live radio anymore. Uh, really excited for our next guest, Bill Oram, our good friend at OregonLive.com. He's got an article up. I was asked to define sportsmanship to some Cub Scouts. Here what I sh- here's what I should have said. We've got a lot of things to cover here, Bill. Uh, good morning. I'm glad you could join us. What was the experience like giving advice to a group of Cub Scouts? Well, it was like my my kids' uh, Cub Scout troop or group. So it, it really was like talking to my kid times like ten. Um, <laughs> so just imagine imagine that like on steroids. Um, it was it was cool. I mean, so I wasn't really prepared, you know. And as I kind of lay out in the piece, um, you know, his 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 Cub Scout leader, you know, knows what I do for work, and so she assumed that made me an expert on sportsmanship which, I mean, <laughs> I have my own moments of poor sportsmanship. Like, <laughs> I hope we all do, just so that I'm not alone. 
um, and we can all be a little bit better. And, you know, I tried to recognize some of the ways that I can be better and, uh, you know, apply some thoughts on sportsmanship in these, in these modern times. Um, I got tagged on a tweet that showed me the Larry H. Miller baseball group in Salt Lake. And I, I've been, I've admired this group. They've come out strong. Yeah. They've offered to host the A's. They have all of this free land that, you know, isn't going to congest traffic at all. They like, they, they enrolled a big, a big uh, rendering of what they want in their district. And I'm curious, you wrote a really good piece on the Portland Diamond Project going after Redtail. Uh, Dale Murphy has left our Portland Diamond Project for the Utah group, and now they've stolen our other Oregon native, Ty Burrell. So I feel like Salt Lake has quickly passed us up here if we're going to get West Coast representation of baseball. Just your read on right now, Salt Lake City as it stands versus our Portland Diamond Project. Well, I mean, I think you'd have to say that, you know, Salt Lake is, you know, in far better position than where Portland is just because of of what's in place. Um, you know, Portland has, you know, if, if, if you if you believe that the Portland Diamond Project, you know, has the the vision to sort of execute this this district at Red Tail and that they can figure out the the traffic and, you know, and the um, you know, and maybe some some light rail improvements in that part of town. Um, you know, all of that, the fact is it's still owned by the city of Portland. It is not in the hands of the Portland diamond project yet. And there's no real, you know, tangible timeline for when that's going to be discussed, let alone, you know, I, you know, my sense from being around this and talking to people within the city, I don't think there's a great enthusiasm to, to hand that over to the diamond project. Uh, you know, people in the city of Portland, um, people in city hall were really excited about trying to make the, the Lloyd center proposal work you know, because there was an opportunity for this um, this idea, this dream to also be part of helping lift Portland, uh, the city center of Portland. And, you know, what Renee Gonzalez, you know, Commissioner Ray Gonzalez, Renee Gonzalez, who, you know, is in the news for a lot of reasons, but don't touch um, him on the shoulder. Know, he he shared he shared the piece I wrote and I thought asked, a, you know, a good question, which is, you know, what from an urban planning standpoint, you know, do we as, as the city of Portland want? What does it do to us to move? You know, something like this, a project as big as this into the suburbs, um, what does that do to Portland long term? So, I mean, there's a lot of really big questions being asked about, you know, just even even the location in Portland. And so to back to your original question, you know, that doesn't exist in Salt Lake. Salt Lake is all rowing in one direction. The, you know, the location has been secured. You know, the project is kind of underway with or without a ballpark. It's right off light rail. It's between the airport and downtown. You know, if you've ever been to Salt Lake, the airport is only a few minutes from downtown as it is. Um, it's right across from where the you know the state fair is, the fair park in Salt Lake City. Um, it's just a very easily accessible location, a very logical location, and they're just ready to go. And so all they really need is from Major League Baseball to say, sure, here's a team. Portland's not there. Portland's not at the sure, here's a team stage of things. They're at the where are they going to play? How are we going to make this functional? How are we going to make this the infrastructure work? Um, are we going to get the city on board? Is the city of Beaverton on board? Is Washington County on board? How do the neighbors feel? The neighborhood associations? I mean, there's just a lot more still to iron out with, with Portland. And that's kind of been the problem with the Portland Diamond Project, you know, since its inception. I mean, the dream has been spectacular. You can sell the dream and it sounds gorgeous. And, you know, I think we've all, you know, w- you know rhapsodized about drinking a beer outside in, you know, in Portland in the summer, the, the greatest summer days anywhere. Um, but in terms of tangibly moving toward this becoming a reality, 
Um, I mean, Portland's been lapped by Salt Lake, among others. Yeah, it, it, it hurts. I think they held on to the T2 dream a little too long, and then, you know, they came out so strong, and then you kind of go away, and it's like, hey, we're back. Here's a rendering, and everybody gets excited again. I, I think it's a tough thing to sell right now, especially as we talk about with Utah. Bill Orem's our guest here, sports columnist for the Oregonian. Uh, kind of a two-parter about one institution. I'm, I'm, me and my family are going down for Oregon State women's basketball tonight. We're really excited to watch them take yeah. on UCLA. It's a big matchup, big matchups for them this week, and they're riding a hot streak right now, and they're a great story. The other side, not so great. Wayne Tinkle posts the Elite Eight run, Bill, is is 9-45 and 45 in conference play to date, and 25-63 and 63, uh, overall. I guess I'll start with that one. Your thoughts on Wayne Tinkle. Should that seat be warm? Should it be hot? Are they not in a situation in your mind to do anything on it? Or has he earned a full four years here? He still has a young team. Uh, what's your read on Wayne Tinkle right now in the men's program? I think it's sort of all of the above. Um, you know, I mean, the body of work over, you know, Wayne's 11 or 12 years now, uh, you would know better than me, 10, 11, 12 years. Um, I should know the year he left Montana, but I don't off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> I think he, it's 10. I think this is your 10. Okay. So, you know, I mean, obviously multiple NCAA tournament appearances, you know, has, has had, you know, has been able to, you know, capture lightning in a way that teams before him haven't. I mean, you go down the list of coaches since Ralph Miller, or at least since Jimmy Anderson, and it is, you know, it is barren. Mm-hmm. So Wayne Tinkle's not alone here. So Oregon State has bigger institutional problems than, just um, is Wayne Tinkle the right coach uh, for this program? Um, and I think that those are probably, you know, I think that the, the reality is that you're probably going to remain in this cycle, kind of no matter who's there until you address some of those bigger issues. But Oregon State's problems have gotten even bigger in, in the NIL age and with the transfer portal and with everything else, because it used to be, you know, hey, like you could, if you could get a guy to Corvallis, you know, you had him for four years. And this is true of everywhere else, but at Oregon State, because the success hasn't been there, you have even less of a case for guys to stay. And the NIL is not there on the basketball side. You look at Jordan Pope, who's you know one of the best players you know Wayne Tingle's brought in probably. Yep. Um, and you know there's a significant risk of losing him. Um, you know um, Tyler Billado is a perfect you know Oregon State type of player. But, you know, if somebody comes at him and throws a couple hundred thousand dollars at him to go play somewhere else, I mean, Oregon State's going to be in the West Coast Conference next year. Does he stay? And so, I mean, it's really just the questions are so much bigger than they normally would be about, oh, this coach is nine and whatever uh, in the last three seasons in the Pac-12. You know, I think all things being equal, um, you know, I do think that probably Oregon State would, would make a change just in terms of getting a a fresh start, trying to reinvigorate the program. Um, but when you consider that that buyout, it's going to cost them up, upwards of $9 million to buy Wayne out of, out of the remaining years on his contract. Um, you are sort of in a transition period where you're going to be in the, in the WCC for a couple of years. There is an opportunity, I think, for Oregon State to get its, its, its foot, regain its footing in the West Coast Conference. I mean, there's, a, you know, it's just a it's just a different level outside of Gonzaga. I think that's a, te- a you know a conference that Oregon State should be able to compete in. So I I do think that Wayne Tinkle gets more time, even though that's not going to be a popular answer with some members of of Beaver Nation or many members of Beaver Nation. I just don't see a strong enough argument to, you know, in in an age of really limited resources in Corvallis, I just don't see a strong enough argument or see what is going to be dramatically better or how you're addressing those institutional issues to justify making a change at this point. Well, Ruick and company, the ladies have had no problem at all. I know they were down for a couple of years, but they've had this pretty consistently 
as a yeah. pretty respected program. They're on a roll right now in big matchups at the L.A. schools this weekend. They seem like the real deal. They got the inside-outside game nailed down, and that's massive when you get to tourney time. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I posted a video on the Oregonians' Instagram page this week trying to explain why I think this is such a dangerous team because you know it's not just that they have a great player or two great players. You know, Oregon State's really loaded top to bottom with you know, Reagan Beers is obviously, you know, one of the more dominant players in the country in the post, but then shooters all around her in, you know, Von Olhoffen, Tamia Gardner, um, uh, 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 Hansford, who, you know, came up so huge against Oregon. And then Donovan Hunter, you know, as freshman point guard, I mean, I don't know that Donovan Hunter is not going to be one of the best players in the country by the time her college career is over. I mean, she is just spectacular to watch. And, and, you know, it's, it's the poise, it's the control, it's the aggressiveness, it's the creativity. I mean, she's young and you see that sometimes too, but Donovan Hunter has been just an, an absolute star for Oregon state. And I know it's been a little bit up and down, but when you look at their, the big steps they've taken over the last few weeks, you know, with the, the wins over Colorado and Utah and Colorado and Utah, um, I, you know, I just think that, you know, she has been, you know, a huge piece of their, of their ascent. But I, I just think that that's a team that has five or six players who give opposing coaches absolute nightmares. And so I don't know what's going to happen this weekend. I mean, UCLA and USC are both really, really stiff tests. Um, and I'm going to go down on Sunday to see USC and Juju Watkins. But, um, you know, I don't think Oregon State is going to, you know, I don't think they're going to wilt against, against those, um, you know, those, top level teams and you know Scott Ruick I've been surprised at how um assertive he has been about how good this team is so the fact that he would say this has a chance to be the best team we've had here well that's a really high bar considering the number of elite eight sweet 16 and 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 then of course the final, final four team um it but he believes in this team and you watch them and you completely understand why um you know I think there's a real opportunity here for Oregon State and it is exciting that it lines up in a year when the regional is in Portland. You know, you're going to have the top teams in the country, you know, playing at the Moda Center at the end of March, a little bit of a, a precursor to the Final Four at the end of the decade. Um, you know, I think there's a really good chance um, that Oregon State is among those teams playing at Moda at the end of March. And that, and that should be really exciting and a reason to invest in this team right now. Yeah, I saw a thing on the NCAA where after a Caitlin Clark's game, it's actually projected to have Iowa and Oregon State both at in Portland uh, for some tourney games, which I think would be electric for basketball fans. I'll get you out of here with this one as quickly as you can, Bill. Uh, Blazers' first half is over. They're fifth worst in the league. I, I think we expected them to be bad. You got any read, any, any positivity on the Blazers right now, or is this just is what it is? Yep. That sums up our text line this morning as well. Thank you. Uh, Bill Orem, always a man with great words to share uh, from Oregonian, OregonLive.com, great columnist, touching on all local things. Bill, thanks for the time this morning. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy that game Sunday. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. All right, there we go. Good stuff. Bill Orem, OregonLive.com, summing up the Blazers' first half. We wrap it up. Dirt and Sprague back with more on The Fan. John 1080, The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Final segment of the uh, show this week. We are off on Monday as a station. We observe President's Day. We must celebrate all of the presidents on President's Day in an election year where everybody's going to hate each other because everybody wants an old guy in office. So, I uh, don't. What? Oh, you don't? I don't. Oh, yeah. Are you going to vote? I'm going to vote in, uh, what is it, Permit gonna... Commander or whoever that guy is in Are you going to write in? What? That's right. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so we'll be off on Monday as we get ready for a weekend. I'm I'm excited. I got a dentist appointment after the show, and then I'm heading down to Corvallis early. Going to take my daughter on a little tour of Oregon State, show her where me and her mom uh, met, and like you know Ooh. where we had class and all our experiences, and get some local boys. And then this is our dorm room. Uh, no, I actually didn't stay in a dorm. I stayed in an apartment all four years. I didn't know they let you do that. Uh, way cheaper. Yeah. Oregon State doesn't, they didn't have a mandate on doing that, to my knowledge. I never got in trouble for it. So uh, I got away with it. Yeah. I mean, the dorm is a great experience, but I didn't have a traditional college experience. So I didn't stay in the dorms. I stayed mm. in apartments. I loved it. Um, there you go. And then hopefully watch Oregon State women's basketball kick UCLA's ass. That's the, that's the goal. That's the hope. Hey, I. When you watch that that women's basketball team, I know we talked about Caitlin Clark earlier. Oregon State's team is legit now. Plus, shouts out Von Ohoffen. That's my old D-line coach's daughter. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't piece that together. She's from Kennewick. That's right. Chiawana. And, the pride of Chiawana. And your D-line coach in college is her dad who played in the NFL and took out Carson Palmer. The great Kimo Von Ohoffen. <laughs> that dude, that was a man. His daughter's amazing. Well, I mean, when you get his athletic genes of, yeah, I played volleyball until college and then decided to be really good at football and play in the NFL forever, um, I would assume that your children are going to be good at sports. Uh, So that's going to do it for us. If you miss any of the show, you can always catch it at 1080thefan.com. And uh, we'll talk to you guys bright and early on Tuesday, uh, 6 to 9 a.m., Dirt and Sprague. Thanks for hanging with us this week. I don't know where I was going with that. We'll catch you Tuesday, Dirt and Sprague on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.